Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. This is 113 chapters of incredible nonsense. Uh, I called this one Jelly Roll. Oh, did you? I <laughs> uh, think I titled this one, What Does Worf Think the Shakespeare is About? <laughs> and we'll get to it. Um, it's, it's always good because uh, there's two wharfs right now going on in this project. There's TS9 Wharf and TNG what, Wharf. What wharf are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to talk about Worf at all, the no, way we've this one. the way we've done this project, we're gonna be starting this week with Voyager. Voyager's lost um a some million, weeks in a row now. Um, just a million weeks in a row. <laughs> well I really thought once we got down to three they were gonna have a pretty good shot. Just well just, I, I mean, there's less help, competition in general, but helped by the fact that they notched their third win and they still have three the very week after Enterprise bowed out. Yeah, so it, it felt it like it did seem like a chance change, for them. But yeah. No, no, they've lost. Oh, boy. I mean, even Jason Alexander couldn't save them, and that's too bad. Eight. Uh, their last Their last time not finishing last was Counterpoint. Uh, was week 103 with Counterpoint. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, so that's nearly 10, 10 episodes. Ago. Depends on how they do this week, I guess. Oh, boy. <clears throat> um, but yeah, we're starting with Voyager, and this week we watched Juggernaut. On board a busted Malon freighter. Yeah, great. <laughs> you are, you've already said the part that confused me to no end. I'm just I'm leaving space here because well, the last Voyager episode we discussed had Jason Alexander in it, and that was <laughs> the main thing you talked about. But the number two thing you talked about was how mad you were at the suggestion that the Malon might still be around because yeah. they have traveled. And, you know, they've made another 10-year leap no, in no, the no. time since we last saw them. Don't forget, it was a 20,000 light-year leap. Oh, so a tw- basically a 20-year <laughs> leap. So, there's so just what's abs- up with the Malons? <laughs> absolutely no way this should be encountering the Malon. But <laughs> on a busted Malon freighter, uh-huh. maybe this won't be about the real Voyager. Maybe it'll be another another clone or Could something. Be a it's way back in Malon space. Mm-hmm. Some tanks start rupturing. None of the emergency systems are responding. And the captain... If that's the captain, has to send someone down to seal the core, even if they risk contamination. Yeah. Cut to Voyager. Tuvok is giving meditation lessons to Balana as punishment for breaking Shmullis' hollow camera. And she's not going along with it. She's mm-hmm. just laughing about it and having a generally shitty attitude. Yeah, she was really, uh, <clears throat> she's on one this whole time. The way you described it when you said Tuvok is giving meditation lessons to Belana, it sounded like you were pulling cards out of a hat. That we're just going <laughs> to that we're gonna make up the plot of this uh, episode. Yeah, I now was I'm really convinced that's how it happened. Voyager story dice. Yeah, that's probably exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, she's just laughing about it. Ooh, imagine you as a kid, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. On the bridge, Tom Paris tries to get Tuvok to spill the beans about how it's all going. And all he'll say is that it's going to be difficult for both of them when they suddenly get a distress call and go rushing in to the where the Malon freighter broke up mm-hmm. or, or was having trouble. What they find when they get there are 37 escape pods contaminated by theta radiation, mm. just two life signs, and a huge area of space still being contaminated by the now-abandoned freighter. Yeah, it's a... Um... <clears throat> It's that episode of TNG with that garbage cow. They couldn't figure out how to move. Uh, huh? That The name of that episode is... That's the one where Picard had a heart attack? I don't remember uh, what the uh-huh. B-plot Picard is. has to have the surgery on his heart, and he's in the shuttle with Wesley. Yeah, and that one so is called, called... something little, like... Little Sandwiches. You're, you're my daddy now. Sandwich daddy. Yeah, that's probably the name of our episode. <laughs> about it? Well, I'm taking uh, a note. They beam the two guys up, and the main guy, Controller Fezzik, tells them 60 crewmen were killed in minutes by the Theta leaks, and when that freighter blows up, which it's gonna do, everything within three light years will be destroyed. That's big. That's a big area. That's big. They try to make it outside that range. Janeway's first instinct is, fuck this part of space, let's run. Oh yeah, she don't care about this. Which is fine. It should have been her instinct all along, but it is inconsistent. Uh, but somehow the theta, theta radiation has already rendered Voyager warp incapable. Yeah, like literally as they're about to do it. As they're about to do the warp. They're like, oh, warp bubble collapsed. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Wesley's not there to think about it. Nope. He would think so hard he would disappear. Yeah. He'd scan in and out like an interlaced gif of... Um, <laughs> Tony Braxton, was that your poll? <laughs> it's not my poll, man. I wasn't the one pulling at Tony Braxton. Oh, that see. was my buddy. His name is Ira. I'm just going to say it right on the show. Ira was the one. I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, So since they can't get out of the way, Janeway sets a course to the freighter to try to make it safe over Fezzik's strenuous objection. He, he would rather go hide in a nebula, which is somehow going to pr- protect them. Yeah. It must be... It must be soupy, this nebula. It's soup it's so soupy that no other no other soup can get into it. Yeah, but also, is it gonna destroy everything in three light years or isn't it? Yeah, everything like except it's nebula. It's gonna destroy the nebula, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's three other ships that Janeway has never met and never will meet in the sector, so they gotta run in and save everybody. Yeah. Uh meanwhile, Fezzik's boy, this other guy, who I'm not sure he ever got a name. <laughs> Sometimes I'm sure there is a name, and I just didn't write it down, and uh, I'm not sure which one this one is. Maybe he got a name. This is a dude who loves swooshing around model spaceships. <laughs> um, he tells them that there's a mythical creature that lives down in the Theta tanks, and that no one really believes in, but but he saw something. And as soon as he said that, I went, we're going to see that creature. I, <laughs> I fucking guarantee it. Yeah, there's like zero chance, right? Fucking know that's going to pop out. Uh, but also this whole time, Bellana won't stop running her trap about how these guys are scum, mm-hmm. and they hate them. Uh, they're, they're a bunch of Larry Appletons, and they're just polluting <laughs> space, and she hates them all. Yep, yeah, just like Larry Appleton does when he's not a aspiring photojournalist. Um, well, they're gonna beam in there and try and fix this fucking thing. 
uh, Neelix is going along on the mission because he's a little trash panda himself, and yeah. he thanks Chakotay for finally getting something to do, even if that is board the dangerous radioactive ship. Yeah, he's really, um, he, I think he's still very worried they're going to drop him off somewhere. <laughs> he has not, he hasn't picked up on it. No, she, even though she gave him that nice talk after all the murders and stuff happened, and she was uh-huh. like, it's okay, you're going to be okay, everything's okay, he still is pretty freaked out, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, it's, you know what worries him the most is they never talk about Kess. It's like she is dead to them. <laughs> they really and never She moved do. them 10,000 light years with her brain, and they never mention her. It's like she didn't even exist, and he's like, you know, these guys, they would forget about me in a minute. I've moved them, like, negative 10 light years, if you count just everything I've ever done. So They'd have a, they'd have the chef's position posted on Indeed before I was even out of the building. Yeah, dude, Tom Paris would have fucking transferred right out of nurse training and straight into chef school, and that would have been that. Yeah. Uh, Tom and Bellana have a little argument about not getting in an argument about her going over. Anyway, everyone beams over, but it's so bad on this ship right now that if they use the tricorders, the air explodes. <laughs> it's not good. I didn't know the tricorders did that. This is yeah. world building. It's, an, it's a new feature we're kind of just learning about. Yeah. Um, uh, but it does make sense now why Ch- Chicote's like, don't, don't scan those dead bodies. Oh yeah. You might set them on fire or something. But- Presumably, he knows that tricorders are more dangerous. They're the one piece of technology we've never seen malfunction so far in Star Trek, but he knows that they are actually dangerous. Yeah. Tricorder killed his father. Uh, Don Alejandro? Yeah, I think. I think that's the the new story. That makes me so sad. Eh, Don't be. He knew what he was getting into. Fezzik and Milana go crawling through the tubes. She questions him about his choices, why he takes on this dangerous mission, and it turns out that it's because... I mean, he's basically, he's basically a king crab fisherman in Alaska. He makes a lot of money doing this half a year. Uh, And also he, you know, doing it keeps mail on prime beautiful because it would really suck if all of this theta radiation was there, I guess. And the rest of the year he's a sculptor, he says. Yeah. There's not like a part at the end of this episode where he gives them a sculpture or... It doesn't. It kind of doesn't come up. Uh, it's no, just he doesn't just talk about it. He doesn't like uh, use a metaphor about sculpting to like help him figure out how to save the day or anything. Right. It's this not, is just him justifying stuff, you know. Yeah, he's not like. <clears throat> it's basically him saying, "I don't want to have a real job." So for six months, I do this job so that the right. other six months I can be a beach bum or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the two of them try to run the decompression sequence to start clearing chambers, but the actuators are jammed, and the other Malon... Oh, and here he... I have written his name. It's Pelk. Okay, thank you. (laughs) There. It was in there. It's just... I have forgotten it since. But he goes up to a contaminated deck to free them. Well, to be fair, you saw this episode a long time ago. I was... You watched them all. You banked them. Yeah. And then I got sick. Right. And I was not able to do a pod last week. So you, this was the week before last for you. Right. Uh, he gets spooked while he's trying to do this, and he tells Chakotay and Neelix he saw the creature. Oh, God. Um, also, he's all burned or something, and he dies. He dies, and Fezzik closes his eyes, and then Chakotay and Fezzik go back to finish the job. Meanwhile, on the ship, Janeway's working on a plan B, using a tractor beam to push this freighter into the corona of an O-type star, which logically must be less than two hours away at impulse speed. <laughs> yes. Because the ship's going to explode in two hours and then nothing can go to warp. They should say that they are pretty dang close to that O-type star. 
Yeah, they should be like constantly mopping their brows, and they're like, it is like we're very life support is trying very hard to keep up here, but we are extremely close to this. Please do remember that they talk about how it takes three hours to get to Bajor from DS9. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, so let's just two hours to an O-type star is very close. They really should be like, uh, thankfully we have metaphasic shields on this ship from uh, from that one episode of TNG. Yeah, the whole fleet's got them now. Because we are getting all burned up. Um, On the ship, Bellana is showing symptoms of, quote, fatal theta radiation poisoning. Yeah. Uh, So Fezzik takes her to the infirmary where they can cure that with a shot. Yeah, it's not that fatal uh, if you got the shot. Right. But in there, she learns that only three out of every ten core laborers who work in the radiation cores on these ships survive a standard mission. Mm. But the, the people who take this mission earn more in a single trip than most Malon earn in a lifetime. Yeah. So it seems like a very inefficient economy, but yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, somehow the airlock's open on the wrong deck and everyone makes a run for it. But Chakotay takes a bump on the head and gets left behind. It, Voyager beams him out. The peril is over immediately. Mm-hmm. But now we see through the eyes of the creature, and it watches as Bellana yells at Fezzik until Neelix brokers a peace. Tuvok wants to go over and take control of the ship because Bellana is so unpredictable this week. But Janeway trusts her, and also doesn't want to send a bad message because that's what's important right now. That's correct. Not the life of her two crew members still over there and not the three light year radius of no warp that they will be in after this happens. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, exactly. <clears throat> um, no, she doesn't want to have Bellana like making shitty faces at her for the rest of the trip home because you didn't trust me. It was, I was just thinking how great it would have been if Tuvok had said that she was really not reliable this week. That would have been really good <laughs> if he'd said it. I mean, it is, look, it is true that she is the most prone to emotional outbursts of any character on this show, um, but it is also true that this is the fourth or fifth time we're dealing with this idea, and she doesn't seem to ever make any progress. Anyway. No, uh, everyone's always just uh, Mr. Rossetti, dude. Uh, yeah. Every time. <laughs> they uh, they head into the control room without knowing if it's safe. Uh, it turns out they have less than ten minutes until the ship blows up. Uh, Chakotay wakes up in sickbay, and the doctor tells him there was unidentified tissue in Pelk's wounds from something resistant to theta radiation. No, another it's, thing that's resistant to it. But we've already seen through this thing's eyes, so I don't know who this is for. I guess it's for Chakotay. Now he knows that it's real. Yeah. That's important. It's good to know that Chakotay knows what we know. Exactly. Something sabotages the containment grid, just as Janeway calls to tell them they've detected the alien life form. And it's moving to their position, and we see it in alien vision or predator vision, whichever one used that map sequence. Sure. Yep. The creature gets in, and it bonks Neelix, and they can't use the phasers because they're going to ignite this gas. Um, You're not wrong. It, attacks- it bonked him good. He was just laying there afterward. That guy, it didn't kill him or bite him or anything. No. No, it gave him a good bonk, though. Gave him a wang on the head. Um, it attacks Fezzik. And Torres conks something with a standard engineering pipe, but I think it's Fezzik. I think she <laughs> knocks too. Fezzik out. And it's <laughs> not... Too. I want to make this clear. It's not addressed. No. There's no moment later where Fezzik's like, did you, did you, did you bash me on the head? And we were arguing a minute before that. Was that related? <laughs> yeah, all we see is the fog kind of clears and the aliens just stand in there. So I'm pretty sure yeah. she bonked Fezzik. That's exactly what happens. The gas clears and she's face to face with an irradiated core laborer. 
who tells her his sabotage was the only way to make the Malon understand what they've been doing. You know, when this ship blows up and destroys three light years of space, they'll definitely know what happened. Yeah, assuming this hasn't gone through some kind of huge wormhole, and uh-huh. it's nowhere near them, and they'll never find out. Uh-huh, yeah, they'll definitely <laughs> understand. Oh, uh, turns out that the... Oh, what did they call the fucking monster? Uh, the Bahar or some shit. Va- Vahar. The Vahar. <clears throat> I mean, that's what I have written down, so I must have read it off the screen. You know, that ship exploded, so the monsters must be real, and they're probably just core laborers laborers suffering from radiation, and we should think about what we're doing. Now that I think about it, they're probably just core laborers. And not, like, a freak accident, we're going to have to bump everyone's pay 15% now because they're scared. (laughs) That's right. Anyway, he takes control of the thrusters to try and avoid the star's corona. Rather than call Voyager and explain what's happening and ask for help, Bolana tries to negotiate with him. But ultimately, she just has to hit him with the pipe, too. Yeah. She gets Neelix and Fezzik out to the corridor so they can beam out, and the freighter explodes in the star, which I guess doesn't destroy everything within three light years for no. reasons. You know, the guy, he should have said there are many exceptions to the thing I just uh-huh. said about how everything within three light years is going to be trash. Uh-huh. Uh, O-type stars are going to be fine. The nebula's going to be fine. Yeah. Chakotay gives Bolana some praise for keeping her temper in check, and Shmalas tells Fezzik that he'll continue to deteriorate from his long-term exposure, and then Bolana encourages Fezzik to tell his people the truth about what's going on. Then she goes and faces herself in a mirror and has a flashback of bashing the co-worker in the face, and then she gets into the sonic shower at the end. You are very correct. That is what happened in the episode. I mean, that's just, that's the last <laughs> scene. I didn't yeah. write it. I'm, I'm not responsible for that being the last scene. I'm just saying that's what happened. Send your notes now, to Judah. He, <laughs> he wrote the episode. He just doesn't want to admit it anymore. He was very proud of it in the late 90s. Yeah, I was 18. It yeah. was good. It was a good job. I thought you made a great monster story. Uh, Matt, what's the, what's the take for the episode Juggernaut? I mean, oh, something about mastering your emotions, clearly. They kept talking about it the whole time, not being so easy to provoke. But then Bolana's the one who saves the day by wanging everybody with pipes, so I don't know. Is it that Draymond Green might punch a teammate every now and then? <laughs> but it's that edge that allows him to be the baddest motherfucker in the league and get the Warriors all them rings. Thank you. We... um. We don't date these up. We don't say the date when we're recording these. <laughs> but now you will like know. That. But now people will know that it's in the minute when that was remarked. It's weird because they'll probably assume, based on you saying that, that it was in the window between the time when he did that and when that football player assaulted the cameraman. <laughs> but that's not true. That's actually already happened. Yeah, that's happened as well. Anyway, you just have to trust him not to cross the line too many times. Uh-huh. I mean, there's a real-life example, so that's something. But, um, I don't know, I feel like it really explains away and gives cover to people with shitty attitudes. So, I'm gonna say a three? Also, she just wangs everyone. I don't know when she restrained herself or when she crossed the line or which one was which, because all she does is she's really mad and she breaks a hollow camera off screen. And later Uh on, she's really mad and she wangs everybody with an engineering pipe. And then, what's different? I don't understand what was different about it, so... Oh, I mean, that's where I'm coming from, too. Uh, if there's a take in this message, it, it has to be a cynical one. <laughs> like, I've tried nonviolence once, and it didn't work, so don't expect me to even try going forward. That's right. And that's a shame, because <laughs> uh, 
as well as we may talk about further, I think there's an actual take lurking in this story about uh, exploitation of workers mm-hmm. and yes, what risks a kind society would allow people to take for money. Yeah, like what <clears throat> jobs should and shouldn't be. You know, you know what risks you should and shouldn't be allowed to gamble on sure. for a big payday. But uh, no one in the episode notices that, so it's. Uh, that's not in there. Instead. No, I feel just... like if they wrote this episode like four times, they might have come up with that. Right. Well, it's weird because they put all of the details in mm-hmm. for it. It's all and in there. Just, and then they just don't care. Just nothing. So I liked it less than you. I gave it a two. Okay. Uh, Surely was... this one executed its fucking ass off, though. Probably did a fucking 1080 up there. Fucking sick air and everything. Well, it's an action episode. Oh. Um. With heavy horror elements. Oh, so it's Voyager. Yeah. And it's neither the best nor the worst of them. Okay. Yes, there ends up being a monster. (laughs) But it's a monster that can be talked to and has a clear motivation. Sure. Yes, they should have abandoned this plan as soon as Janeway came up with her push it into the star plan. Yeah, that sounded like... They should have all beamed back. That was a better plan. That's what they should have gone with. Yes, the flashbacks Bellana has at the end belong on a different show and also are not well motivated. (laughs) We don't, there's no reason for us to think she feels bad about having to club that guy. She doesn't seem to. She seemed to be, I don't know, I don't want to say she was horny, but she was, she seemed to be reliving it on purpose. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like it. Like she's going to take her shirt off and go to her thinking window, or mirror, thinking mirror. Well, she's going to go and wait for the doctor to give her a call. Well... Um, there have been so many worse episodes is the problem. Oh, sure. I mean, if we're graining on a curve, it's, Voyager's going to get a lot of free points. For me, um, the worst thing is that the Malon showed up again tens oh, of thousands God. of light years away, and we finally learned something about their society, and there could have been a much more interesting episode about that society, and there isn't going to be. That's right. They've just, they've just taken that from us, so. Um... Oh, I'm a four looking at a three on this one. How do you feel about the fact that we at least got some clarification that, yes, even though Voyager only runs into the trash carrying guys, <laughs> there are other guys. They're right. not, it's not a society of trash peddlers or whatever. Right. They're, Voyager's running <laughs> into these guys because they're going farther and farther afield to find places to dump their toxic waste. Yeah. So it's at least they bothered to explain that because I was very afraid when this guy showed up in his garbage ship that they were uh-huh, be like, that we're just garbage guys. Are. Are we, we, just, gar- we all haul trash around. What's the big deal? Who makes the waste? Uh, it's the byproduct of the garbage ships. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. Job the security for me. Don't don't ask where the original waste came from. It's shrouded in legend. That's right. Well, you said you could see a three, and I did give it a three, so... I was afraid that would happen, yeah. Threes for both of us. I said, oh, good, it's a monster story. Something out of Japanese cinema about toxic waste creating a monster, but also, didn't we create the monster? Or maybe we're the monster? Uh, Jesus Voyager, always a horror movie. What's even supposed to be happening at the end? Is she regretting the way she pummeled the monster man? Did she like it? Are we worried about her? Is it just open to interpretation? Not good. Yeah. Uh, and again, more topless shower, Balana. I thought I said to keep it out of my Star Trek. I don't know. I, she wanted to 
she wanted to show off. She got her body back after having that kid or whatever. <laughs> I, who knows? Yep. At this point, I believe it comes from her. There was a lot of sexy back for sure in that one. Imagine how hard it was to watch this episode on a grainy 13-inch TV. It's just oh, yeah. nothing but hot steam and fucking <laughs> dark hallways and shit. Like, how would you even know what the fuck was happening? Like, you would have come back from the bathroom and like, what did I miss? And I'd be like, one of the Malons died. <laughs> no, I don't know which one. It's <laughs> one of them. I don't know. Honestly, it's like watching Game of Thrones on a modern HD TV. That's how murky it is. Oh, Game of... Oh, boy, does Game of Thrones have some pitch black scenes <laughs> by the way I'm, i've told you I'm watching the new series there's so many pitch black scenes <laughs> just so many like they went you know how everyone got really mad about those episodes where you couldn't see anything we decided to lean very hard in that direction <laughs> um all in all i is a bad watch it's a, not a good watch so uh three for me <clears throat> but what about world building though I said, I guess I have, they're making me have to check on the Malon now because they just keep showing up. So I actually have to do the research. So they met the Malon in episode 5-1. In 5-16, they transwarped 20,000 light years. Yeah. So what? Is this because they found another stable wormhole to, to fly all the way out here and dump their trash? Is this really closer to their home space? And the other one, the other wormhole was all the... Leading to all the way over here? Yeah, if there had just been two instances, it would have been clear. But there was... We have seen them again. We've I seen know. them three times. Like They should tell us. And I know they'll botch it, but like... Then Tuvok says he thought they had seen the last of them. Yeah. F- oh, what the fuck? Yeah, based on what? How do they know where Malon Space even is? This is just... Everything about it was making me so angry. And then I said, either Voyager only ever runs into the trash haulers, or they are some kind of trash hauling society, Star Wars style. Or Star Trek style, I guess. <clears throat> uh, their ships, their ships are, are huge radiation bombs, and when they explode, everything's fucked for light years around. We do start to learn about their society, but specifically the trash hauling parts. Core laborers die quick, but their families are well compensated. We got the Vahar, monsters that live in the tanks. Those turn out to be badly mutilated core laborers. Talaxian theta radiation remedies. The O-type stars, uh, some kind of radiation sponge. It's all Malon stuff. But I guess they're here to stay? Forever? I gave it a two. Uh, Yeah, I'm a two also. Uh, we have gyro swings with centrifugal governors. In the future, Matthew, swings are considered too pussy, or they don't <laughs> use enough electricity, or something. Right. We have to have gyro swings on playgrounds so, so that children can tinker with them and potentially kill each other. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> a lot of Malon economics that walk right up to the edge about making a poli- of making a political statement, but then never quite get there. Uh, yeah. Theta radiation, its interaction with stars and nebulae, etc. Uh, just two. Yeah. Characterization. Are we supposed to believe... Okay. I don't know if I want to... Are we supposed to believe <laughs> that Balana having flashbacks in the mirror means that she secretly abhors anger and violence because the Vahar's anger has shown her the error of her ways and she regrets having to kill him? Boy, if I so, get any of that. <laughs> If so, it's the only character growth for her after five or six rounds of anger management episodes. And if so, why does she tell Chakotay not to count on her keeping her temper going forward? Yeah. 
why is the show so resistant to the idea of character growth? Seriously. Even Tuvok has given up on her in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, By the way, I like this new thing that we're doing where you start to say your point and then, and wonder then I just if get you frustrated. Should, wonder if you yeah, should exactly. even say it. <laughs> well, the show's going to be a lot quicker once this I mean, is I don't know. Should fully we even, set in. I don't know. Should yeah. we even talk about Star Trek anymore? I don't know. Uh, Neelix is proud to go on this ugly, dangerous mission. Is that supposed to be a parallel of Fesic and Fesic's boy? I mean, his actual son at home who see, who thinks to be a glorious trash yeah. man one day. Exactly. Chicote gets to run another no tricorder drill. He also gets to boss Fesic around a little. Talk about we're going to do it his way, and from now or the on, Maki the way. And up, the guy goes, he immediately gets the Maki right way? in the fucking face. So I don't understand what is what's the Maki way. What does that mean? Did you see that? He just looked at me and he said, or we could do it the Maki way. What does it mean? Uh, he was clenching and unclenching his fist, though. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't have no idea. I just don't know if there's a specific anyway. <laughs> Tom Paris is maybe a little better this week. At least yeah. it seems like he understands Bellana somewhat after years of dating her. Yeah, that was, uh, was kind of nice. Uh, really no comments on Janeway because she's just doing plot stuff this week. Mm-hmm. Except that Seven and Tuvok have a little conversation where they talk about how she's lucky. How she, yeah. all the stuff keeps going her way somehow, and and I don't, I don't know what that's based on. No. <laughs> um, all of the characters are consistent, but for me, it's extremely frustrating to watch the umpteenth Bolanas too emotional episode mm-hmm. because it just, it never results in anything. You know how there's like, there's no continuity in TNG, but occasionally Data will say something like, I've been working on my dream program again, and you're like, ah, yeah. He has been. He's been doing something. I anyway. remember that. Forget that. In I Voyager. hate it, but I do remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so well, like, no, this is much more like uh, Hoshi gets her groove back for the 11th time. Yeah. Like, oh, this time I'm overcoming my uh, my fear of space or whatever. And you're like, yeah, That's- you did that three weeks ago. That's fine. I have one one minor comment about that exact okay. episode later. Uh, but um, so you give me a three for me. Like I said, the characters are consistent, and Tom Paris is even a little better. It's, but it, I'm just so frustrated by this story. Like yeah. they just can't think of anything better than, well, Bellana's got a bad temper. <laughs> like we there was a whole episode about how she was taking stupid risks in the holodeck. Yeah, and. It turned out that it was because she felt helpless about all the Maquis dying and her whole situation and everything. And, you know, what is depression? It said, anyway, forget all that. This week, she's she's just mad. Yeah. She's just mad again. And no yeah. one remembers that, and it's not a part of her arc. Dude, we can go back to when her forehead makeup was worse and her hair was worse and all that. We can go back to when she punched Carrie right in the face. Yep. Like, we've just been doing the same thing over and over again. Yep. <clears throat> Well, how did you think they did characterization-wise? We're we're very close on this episode. I gave it a three as well. Uh, Bellana destroyed the Doctor's camera. She has to point out Tuvok's pointy ears. Of course, everyone on this and every other Star Trek show is racist, and they're concerned only with physical appearance. But she immediately complains about a time a kid called her Turtlehead. So, yeah. think about it, Bellana. <laughs> anyway, she's... Uh, <clears throat> on one with these Malon, meaning this show is really going to be all about her 
clearly writing this early in the episode. She's mad the whole time, saves the day by hitting a guy with a pipe 50 times. No idea what that's supposed to say about the human condition. Uh, I thought Chaco and Tuvok were arch enemies, but Chaco did order Tuvok's meditation class for Bolana. So, yeah, that's something. Scroll up there. Uh, Janeway threatens to doom these two to a fiery death unless they help her, so that's consistent. She's like, all right, I'll just drop you in your little ship. And then uh, when that ship blows up, you're you're doomed. Um, Janeway says it's a matter of trust with Balana. Then Ray Charles popped up behind her for the saddest (laughs) duet of the 1980s. (laughs) To a little baby grand. That would have been great. Except I think we've established that it's Jerry Ryan on this show who sings, right? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. She is the one going to the directors or producers or whoever and saying, you know, I can sing, right? You uh, know, it's not just the tits, right? I can sing. I'm a good singer. And you're gonna also, do... I'm the only one around here who cares about my job. I should is be that... rewarded for giving a fuck. That's weird, right? You, you anyway, put me in this outfit every single let me, week. And let I me can. sing a little. Yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to belt a little bit here. Uh, Neelix is part of the crew for this mission because of his past in waste management TP was a little bit nice to Balana. Yeah, so that's good yep <laughs> I mean there's nothing to say about it I just went oh good that's good I couldn't handle anymore I will say at this scene uh, where he's being nice to her Katie turned to me and said are they married because the first episode she's seen about five or six of these in a row now but the first one she saw was, was course the oblivion marriage. Yeah. where it's which starts with their marriage and i'm like nah that wasn't the real them no no that was the ship where everyone was doing a little bit better that was but at the end they're all gone <laughs> the silver bloods were making a lot more progress but they just didn't know they were silver bloods that was what got them um <clears throat> quick hitters give them to me this guy physic didn't we just see him on masterpiece society we did. This is the last appearance in our project of Ron Canada, yeah, who, nice. uh, who played Martin, no last name, in the <laughs> Masterpiece Society. He was our Clarence Thomas, and then Martin, he also played <laughs> Martin C. Thomas. Martin C. Thomas. Uh, ooh, hold on. I should write that down for a future ship name. <laughs> He's, uh, yeah, and of course he was the Klingon uh, lawyer who thought that the courtroom was a battlefield, etc. Yep, whip Worf's ass up and down that week. Yeah. Um, Why couldn't they just impulse away until they were clear of the gathered radiation that had literally just drained their warp field? It feels like if they'd just gone a little bit further, yep. they could have got seemed, their warp field back. Yeah, it seems like they probably could have got out of its way a little bit. Whatever. Like, they were... They were just picking up the escape pods, so they were probably like directly in the trail of the radiation. Yeah, they, they probably could have just gone pick a different direction. Left. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they probably would have been fine, but it wouldn't have stopped that ship from blowing up and killing everybody or whatever. It, so. There probably would have been a scene just like when we play Sea of Thieves, where I say, "Is that it?" Off to the port side, and you say, "What?" And then I say, <laughs> "To the on the left," and I say, "Yes, that's yes, the left is correct." <laughs> Last time we played, we. We were like, all right, we haven't played in a couple weeks. Here we go. First mission. Where we want to go? Pick an island. And we go out and fucking 30 seconds into the voyage, tentacles fill the sky. A kraken has sucked us into the deep. Yep, yep, (laughs) yep, yep. It went great. It was like, oh, okay. It was a great run. Uh, Let's see. Balana says the Malon or the Scourge of the Quadrant. And I went, sounds like you're talking about yourself. (laughs) And then she said, Janeway's answer to everything is diplomacy. And I went, 
Well, sounds like you don't know her very well. <laughs> Did you well, hear she what she said? Diplomacy then? all the time. She's but like yeah. Janeway's answer to everything. Diplomacy, and I was like, "What the fuck? When?" That one episode with the uh, the Undines, where she, at the very last scene, the off scene, off screen, she's like, "Ah, we did peace, and peace was good." She meant to say Diplo piracy, and that's when <laughs> uh, last week Janeway proposed a pirate raid against the dinosaur people. <laughs> They're also twenty thousand light years in the past, even though they seem way more technologically advanced. Yeah. Uh, then I said, oh, fuck, there's 27 minutes left. I was so proud of myself for making it really deep into this episode without losing my mind. So yeah. glad this is a Jaybird special. That's you, you're Jaybird. Um, laughed out loud at Chaco specifically not ducking the debris coming toward him. <laughs> he just watches the debris, keeps his eye on the ball, just flies right in and hits him in the face. Why were they even allowed to have phasers on this mission if the beams would ignite all the bad gas? I don't think they knew that was going to happen. I think that they discovered that with the tricorders. Yeah, I just... Uh, and then they were like, look, if the tricorders are igniting shit, phasers are definitely a no It feels like those two guys would have said something like, there's probably going to be a lot of bad gas. <laughs> and we, you probably shouldn't use the phasers. Yeah, I mean, that guy was desperately trying to get them not to go on this mission and not to make him go on it, so... You'd think if he knew about the phaser gas, he would have said something. Yeah. Uh, Torek slash Vorik played one of the Malon engineers in the first scene that we don't care about because they beefed it. Yep. That's it for my quick hitters. What about uh, you? I have a few, yeah. Uh, Daniel Bird does sound like an asshole, like just based on the name, not the turtle head stuff. Like, and she's, there was a kid, Daniel Bird, and I was you like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, this was completely unaddressed, but maybe Bolana doesn't want Schmullis taking pictures of her because he won't stop calling her in the shower. Yeah, I mean, that seems pretty reasonable. Like, I could, maybe she broke his uh, hollow camera because of previous abuse she suffered at his hands that no one takes seriously. Yeah, they, she's probably asked him to take that screen out of her shower numerous times, and everyone's just too busy, and then she goes, I'm the chief engineer, I'm going to have to do it. But she, can't, she ain't got the time, man. Nah, nah, she's too busy. She works night shifts and all kinds of shit. Yeah, it's not good. 90% of the time, this is early in the episode when I wrote, 90% of the time in Star Trek, if someone mentions a mythical monster and someone else says that's just a hallucination, the thing turns out to be real. But I suppose this could be like that Klingon space goat that eats stars or whatever Worf was too embarrassed to say that one time. <laughs> I love that, though. I forget what the exact thing was, but yeah, yeah. What was that? The Nagilum or something? It might have been in where Silence has lease. Yeah, yeah. I see. They remembered the Malon were extreme capitalists. Hmm. Could there maybe be some commentary? No, no. <laughs> there's no commentary here. It doesn't actually explore libertarianism the way I wanted it to. No. Fezzik is so insistent that the wounds are steam burns and that the monster is halluc in a hallucination that I'm 50% of the way to believing he knows what's going on. Well, that turns out not to be true. No, but you're right. It did seem like he was a big denier. Uh -huh. Maybe he was doing a cover-up. <clears throat> uh, oh, yeah. Letting these guys take a job that kills 70% of them to make money for their families. We're right on the edge of something. Someone just needs to say it. <laughs> well, see, here's the deal. <laughs> One of the writers was Pulaski, and the other writer was Riker. <laughs> and the one writer was like, all right, look, you see these guys? They're capitalists, right? 
Okay. Now, see, check this out. So they got this this, this terrible gra- gas they got to get rid of because it's going to pollute their whole society. But it's extremely dangerous, and they got to pay them a lot of money. And the guy goes, uh-huh. Meaning? And he goes, <laughs> he goes okay, okay, okay. But it's like so dangerous, like almost all of them die. Like let's say 70% of them die, but the money's so good, right? So that's like, the, you know, it's worth the risk for certain people. Meaning? That's meaning? <laughs> And this one didn't just put a phaser in his hand like Pulaski does. Yeah. This writer went, you know what, never mind. It's not a big, not a big deal. And then I wrote, I uh, guess Bologna has to go back to bashing, huh? And then I wrote, oh, no, flashbacks. And then I wrote, oh, no, no one said anything about the mainline economy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Disappointing to get to the end and find that nothing happened with that. Give best actor to Fezzik, worst actor to Pelk. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice when they line up like that. Um... Well, it scored a point better than last week's episode. Oh, so. they got a shot at avoiding the basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It scored the same as last week's TNG, which is why we're going to talk about them next. Okay. This week we watched Conundrum. Yes! Man, we talked about this episode one million times previous <laughs> to this in this project. Surely this is going to be... Just an epic episode. You think this is going to be the one that scores 58? It's going to break the bank. Oh, Enterprise is investigating mysterious subspace signals in the Epsilon solar system, which you'd think would mean it was a pretty important one. It's It's got a big name. It's, it's just Epsilon, and that's like the fifth Greek letter. That's it's, Maybe it's just one of the ones they discovered first, and they were just yeah, like, yeah. they ran out of the good ones. But I guess whatever's going on with these subspace signals isn't a big deal because Data and Troy are just playing 3D chess, which mm-hmm. Troy is apparently extremely good at. So good that she's not even, like, gracious. No. She's very, she's kind of condescending in victory. She beats Data, and he goes behind the bar to make her a fancy drink that apparently only he can make, though it's not explained why. Mm-hmm. No one else on the ship can make a Sumerian sunset that does the thing where you tink the glass and it turns orange. Only That's him. Right. Uh, Crusher is working on a crew person in a swimsuit with another holodeck injury. Yeah. Some ligament damage. Uh, Riker is yelling at Rolaren in a turbo lift about her navigational assessment. But finally we get to the bridge where they pick up a small spacecraft that they say is unfamiliar, mm. even though it is super familiar. <laughs> it starts. When it came scanning. up on the screen. Someone should, have, someone should have said, "I thought you, I thought you said this was an unfamiliar craft." Oh, I was. Um, I was expecting it to look weird or different in some way. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it starts scanning them. Suddenly, a green beam passes over Data and Ten forward, and he repeats himself. He stutters. And we get just enough time to see Troy get a weird look on her face about it before everyone gets blasted. And Did it blast Data first? What happened there? It passed over him first. I don't know. Maybe he's more sensitive to it because he's a robot. Mm. It, it, it does computer stuff and person stuff, this beam. Clearly. Uh, and the cinematography changes to shaky, extreme handheld close-ups of everybody designed to make us feel disoriented. Uh, Riker, naturally, is the first person to express confusion, <laughs> saying, and this also, I think, is perfectly in keeping with him. Riker says, I don't know who any of you are. <laughs> Just right out front. 
<laughs> he pa- doesn't try to hide anything because that's who he is. Picard says that he doesn't even know who he is. So he's a little more introspective than Riker's, what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Mm-hmm. Credits. After the credits, everyone expresses confusion, including a new guy we've never seen before. Yeah, I think he's kind of give up the game pretty quick here, don't they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, everybody remembers how their stations work, and they start guessing at their jobs, and Riker notices Picard's pips, and yes, Worf pipes up about his Baldrick. Yeah, he's like, I ain't got so many pips, but check this big boy out. Uh, luckily the computer sasses him extremely hard about it later, but we'll get to that. Uh, they note the remains of a small ship in front of them, they guess that maybe they were in a battle and got stunned, but they destroyed the ship anyway. Jordy goes to work trying to restore the computer. Life support's working. Everything else is pretty busted. Uh, Worf pipes up and asks everyone on the ship to select a representative from their group to report on their status. And we cut back to Beverly, who basically repeats the observation for the slow thinkers that Mm. everyone still knows how to do their jobs, even if they don't know who they are. Yes, it was very important for us to get that one. It's such a waste of a scene that I wondered if it wasn't just a creepy second look at this girl in a bathing suit. Because <laughs> it doesn't... Who Crusher does not care about at all. No, it doesn't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the bridge, Worf's sitting in the big chair now, and he's talking to the new guy and to Riker. Riker, Jordy, and Roe head off to search the ship to see if they can reestablish control. Uh, and Worf and Picard, who's sitting at the con, <laughs> the thing he secretly wants to do. That's right are in the middle of a little disagreement about whether they should establish their mission parameters or just get ready for battle when Jordy gets control of the ship again. And I guess they hold off on the argument long enough to fire a couple of test shots from the phasers before Picard and the new guy manage to convince Worf to at least run a fucking diagnostic. Yeah, come on, dummy. I think this new guy... Oh, you know, we'll talk about it later. But I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he wants to make sure the weapons work. Yeah, I mean, I think he does want to make sure the weapons work. (laughs) It is important to something that's going to happen later, for sure. Uh, Riker and Roe are going door-to-door checking in on everyone. And Riker is real horny about the holodeck. He talks about how they just saw the holodeck, and he can imagine getting up to some shit in there. I could just, uh, I don't know, say you got a couple of ladies in the, uh, I don't know, like a stringed instrument. Maybe like a... A zither or a, yeah. or a maybe dulcimer, like a, nice two, hammer dulcimer, maybe two cellos, two cellos, or like a, a, a big harp. Harp, maybe. Oh. oh, hang on, oh, it's doing something. <laughs> um, but Rose even hornier, and she's horny for Big Willie. Oh yes, she is. Uh, and Troy too. When they roll up in ten forward. She's got some kind of feeling about Riker that the music says might be sexual, even though her face doesn't say that at all. <laughs> well, uh, they didn't give her the music not, on It's on not her set. fault. She didn't know what music they were going to be playing behind her. <laughs> That's right. They get the crew manifest back online, and they learn that Worf is not the captain. In fact, he's way fucking down. Nah, they the mentioned him like 14. He's, he's very upset. Uh, and we also learned that this like, new guy was been... Alyssa Ogawa. And then <laughs> Lieutenant yeah. Commander Worf. He's like, fuck. Guinan. <laughs> The bartender <laughs> on <right>. vacation. <laughs> Simon Tarsis. <laughs> Crewman Simon Tarsis. Wharf. Dishonored. That's <laughs> right. Dishonorable Topa Wharf. Yeah. Um, 
that we also learned that the new guy is Kieran McDuff, mm. first officer. Aye. Uh, Picard forgives Worf for his cheekiness, and then we cut to the briefing room where Jordy and Data explain that they've, they've been in the files and the Federation is at war with the Lysian Alliance, mm. who they say, and it's weird that they say this, uh, are even punier than the Cardassians. That's right. They don't even know who the Cardassians are. They can't remember at this moment, but it does right. come up in the briefings, in the briefing studies, which were highly emphasized. Uh, anyway, they've, the Lysian Alliance has rolled out some kind of new weapon, and it has symptoms just like the ones they've been experiencing. Oh. But the Enterprise's mission is to destroy the Lysian Central Command. Troy thinks they should call Starfleet. Hmm. Does she now? She has a bad... She has a bad feeling about this, but the very bad excuse that she gives is, I don't know, man, the computer's all messed up. That's right. And, and it's it's kind of like people who imagine that a computer bug can do any nonsense. Yes. Like, for instance, make up this entire mission. Yep, since the computer is damaged, it might just make up a briefing for us about how we have to go and destroy Lysian Central Command and avoid their dangerous weapon. She doesn't say, maybe someone planted this in the files. What she says is, I don't know, man. This shit's going crazy. We should call and, and make confirmation. But I guess their specific orders include radio silence. So oh. Picard orders them to resume course for their target. Uh, Riker walks Troy back to her quarters from this meeting. Well, I guess she's not having sex with any Lysians this week because she would have been like, uh, why? Maybe the Lysians <laughs> have a good point. We shouldn't do anything to the Lysians. We don't want to mess up Lysian society. Sorry. Do you want to uh, do you want to again say that the Fucking Lysian position came out of her whore mouth? Well, I'm just saying. What was the name? Aaron? Aaron's words. Yeah. Came flying out of her whore mouth, for sure. Well, she tells Riker at her quarters that everything about what's happening feels wrong. And listen, she beat Data at 3D chess because of her good intuition, so somebody ought to listen up. But no one does. Uh, I can remember that. Troy puts hands on Riker at this point. Mm-hmm. But... You know, she ain't got her memory, so she can't give consent, and you know Riker needs it and craves it. Yep. So he heads <laughs> off. It's true. But when he gets to his quarters, they are not empty. Ro Laren is there in her modern dance outfit. Yes, she's gonna do some fucking running up that hill. She's gonna run yeah. up that hill right now, man. <laughs> yeah, well, they do it. <laughs> I mean, next scene, everyone's back in uniform and on the bridge. We don't see the boots, but, like, they do it. Yeah, oh, for sure. That one is pretty clear on that one. Uh, back on the bridge, we have arrived at the Lysian border. A Lysian destroyer rolls up on them, and Macduff gets ready to blast them. But something is uh, very wrong about the scenario, and it is that this ship is horse shit. Yeah, it's, it's, bad. it's as bad as the ones in the Outrageous Okada. Really? Yes, it is. It is It is like that, but no one laughs about it. No. Um, it starts hailing them. Macduff starts screaming about how that's probably how they do their mind wipe. And mm -hmm. when Enterprise doesn't answer, the Destroyer starts firing and gets completely trashed in one return one shot. One blast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just takes them out entirely. Uh, Beverly's been working on a cure for their memory loss, but it's going to be like... A few hours before they get the medical files back online, uh, so that's it's dangerous we'll just to check in with her. Yeah, they can't. That. She's not going to do uh, mind stuff without a baseline. Yeah. Uh, there's a little scene where Jordy and Data talk about why there's only one Data on board. I I think they must have come up a little short this week. 
to just throw that dialogue in. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't mean anything. It's really it funny it? if like memory lost data had come up with some kind of thing about how he was the uh, Federation slave. <laughs> and then and then like when just he got his memories back when he got his memories back just gone oh peace out everybody i came up, i just thought of something while we were all uh, having memory problems <laughs> i thought of something hey i thought about this and i'm actually first of all i'm still mad about maddox yeah i'm still pretty pissed off about yeah, that and, and you then should num- not be surprised and then number two i had to really get in your face about racism before you gave me command of a ship during the And then the you Romulan specifically blockade. assigned me to the most racist ship in the fleet. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, fuck all of you. I'm uh, gonna go do uh, Nibirite Alliance things. I don't know yeah. what other people do. Exactly. Um, most of the records that they're looking for are missing from the computer. Mm. That's, I guess, what we're, that's what that scene is doing plot-wise. Troy comes to visit Riker. She still feels like this whole thing is wrong. Anyway, he shows her his diploma, and he plays eight seconds of trombone, and she finds a book that she gave him. Yep. But before they can smooch, which Riker is 100% going to do, Ro shows up for round two, and Troy pieces out. Yeah, the book almost made him do it. The book almost made him do it. The book said, you're you're a good friend. I like you from, from Deanna. And they were like, I guess we got it not. I guess we probably got it. That's how it goes, baby. We found the book for a reason. On the bridge, Jordy is telling Picard that the file damage is suspicious. Mm. That it was it seems like it was designed to wipe out all the records about them. But that's kind of consistent with this fake weapon that the Lysian Alliance has. Um, so no one gets into it t- too much. But here, Macduff pipes up and volunteers to undergo the memory procedure even without the medical baseline. Mm. Um, but then he starts having a big seizure during it, so they put that on hold again. Yeah. <sighs> hey, does he, holding... like, when the, when the seizure stops, does he smile in an evil way, looking just a little bit away from Dr. Crusher? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Also, it's not clear, but are seizure powers something that this race oh, has? Yes. I've got uh, 1,000 notes on it. Because <laughs> it triggered the medical equipment. He wasn't just faking it. Yes. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Um, <clears throat> Picard is holding his meditation crystal when Macduff comes in to see him. And Picard has a bunch of concerns about their mission. He needs to know that what they're doing is right because it doesn't make sense. And Macduff says the right things, I guess, because Picard just goes back to his staring window. But behind his back, Macduff calls Worf in for a little two-man mutiny party. Oh, yeah. To make no sure sandwiches. That when the, no time. No, no. No time for sandwiches. Uh, but he wants to make sure when the time comes, the mission is carried out. Well, they it's, roll up on I have. The, I now have two notes about episode titles, including sandwiches. Okay. That's excellent. This is probably going to be sandwich-themed. <laughs> Uh, they get to the station they're supposed to destroy, and they detect some weak-seeming sentry pods protecting it. It takes, like, seconds to wipe all of them out, and there's no further resistance. The station is unprotected and basically unarmed. Yeah, dude. One uh, photon torpedo. Flashbacks of, uh, the Borg in Sector 001. <laughs> Just fucking blast a few little piece of shit pods, and then you're yes. fucking free. Earth is, is, there's no ships, it's fine. It is very much like the Mars defense perimeter, you're right. Yeah. Um, 
They say one photon torpedo will be enough to destroy it, and there are 15,000 people on board. Oh, shit. Well, Picard's had enough. He tries to open a channel to the Lysians, and Macduff tries to make his mutiny play there, but I guess Worf's seen enough, too, because he doesn't go along with it. Well, there's no honor in uh, <clears throat> pushing one button and killing 15,000 people, I think. Yeah. Well, Macduff gives Worf a hell of a shove, and then he eats the combined output of three or four phasers before going down. Yeah. Um, cut to Beverly has restored everyone's memory. They say that Macduff was a Satarin, a race that have been at war with the Lysians, but whose weapon technology was no more advanced than theirs. Riker goes to 10 forward and finds Troy and Roe drinking together. He does not want to join them, but they've spotted him. Yeah. And then Troy says, everyone does what they secretly yes, want yes, to do. Yes, yes, But it's also clear that she's just saying that to bust his chops. It's not sure. like a real DS9 wrap-up. Maybe. But oh, it is consistent. It is consistent <laughs> it is with consistent. all of the other things that have ever happened. That does seem to be where psychology has landed in the Star Trek future. Anytime you're impaired by a thing and then you do a thing, it's just the thing you wanted to do. But if you if you had your uh, scruples, you wouldn't have done it. Whatever. Ah, uh, what's this one about? Uh, well, it's not Troy's dumb thing at the end. No. What, like, uh, what if you had your memory wiped? Would you be cool or not? No, it's something like, um, in terms of, in times of uncertainty, trust your gut instincts. This works pretty well in this episode for everybody but Worf, who thinks he's a boss, and it's not. <laughs> and Riker, who whoopsie banged a lady he's always making mean old man faces at. <laughs> Yeah, he's been mad at her since she stepped on board this ship, but I don't know. He's been looking at her butt every time she stands up from her console, too, or something. It is unmotivated by previous episodes. He he tripped and fell into her twice in this episode, so it's not great. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, thanks for the lukewarm advice, Star Treks. I I give it a four. Uh, I have a different take, and I guess I liked it a little better. I think the take ultimately is something like, it's immoral to follow orders you don't know are moral themselves. Okay. It seems like it should have been something about intuition. Mm -hmm. But they don't really base the decision on intuitive things like, why are there so many science officers, bartenders, children, and zoo animals on this (laughs) battleship on a secret vital strike mission instead it's more like can we proceed with these orders we can't even confirm and kill a bunch of defenseless people yeah i don't have any problem with the take really no one likes just following orders as a defense but um i think we all know this is an ideal and people aren't really thinking about this kind of thing in every encounter or engagement right people do ultimately follow orders most of the time yeah and also in real life most of the time you have no idea why you've been ordered to do the things you've been ordered especially Mm -hmm. in combat you've been told to go here and do the thing and you don't sit around going i don't know though but is it right it's just like you know it's the job (laughs) yeah job is to do the things that you were told to do so anyway so I'm a, f- a five for the take. Um, it's the right idea, but it's just it's just very it's very idealistic. Yeah, I mean it's Gene Star Trek where yeah. these moral people sat around and just couldn't justify doing these things. Um, as, as far as execution goes, yes. oh no, you gotta no, you already did. I already went. As far as execution goes, they do a couple of tricks here: some handheld camera work when everyone's at their most disoriented. Mm-hmm. 
but the pacing is inconsistent. I called out a couple of scenes that slow down the pace or repeat things. In other instances, time passes unmarked and we're just back on the bridge when it's time for a bridge scene. Yeah. Uh, the love triangle plot asks a lot more questions than it answers, and it seems mostly to be there so Riker can get into hot water. Yeah, that's nice. That's if this, um, that's just sitcom 101. It is very sitcom right? Uh, if that plot was doing real work, Troy would have convinced Riker that something was wrong, and Riker would have taken it to Picard. Right. But she just comes to his quarters, says things feel wrong, and then climbs into his lap. Uh, <laughs> some points... Maybe for being the only t- show on TV that I'm aware of where everyone has amnesia. Usually yes. one character at a time on TV. It's pretty good. There's a little, a little bit of ambition there, right? Uh, so I'm as much as a four on execution, but for see, an the, episode that we've talked about. After they pull the first segment, which was uh, Worf amnesia, then they have to put both. They have to put the amnesia card back, but they don't have to put the Worf card back. And they just kept. It was a weird run of luck. They just kept. They were like Riker <laughs> amnesia. They're like, what? Really? In the same episode? The cards real? say it. We gotta do what the cards say. Troy amnesia. <laughs> They're like, what the fuck? This is unreal. Uh, we could make this deck of cards. <laughs> um, pretty good episodes. Yeah, we've talked about this episode a lot of times. Mostly uh-huh. Worf. We mostly say I am also decorated. <laughs> point, at, point at myself. Uh, but ultimately, I don't know. This one was kind of not not much for me. So okay. I gave it a four. Okay. I remember this music when the music starts playing uh, after they get all messed. It's like a Ren Faire gone spooky. <laughs> for some reason, when it started to play, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Um. If you're not going to make it a mystery to viewers at home, this is actually a pretty good way to reveal what's going on. Commander who the fuck just sitting there behind Picard and Riker acting confused. I also like, don't know who I am. <laughs> we all know that guy isn't legit, but it's still a pretty good <laughs> gag that like Picard walks out of the way and that guy's just standing there. Yeah, you're right. That wasn't too bad. What wasn't as good was all the mugging this guy did. Hey, dude. Do a little risk analysis and figure out whether it makes sense for you to smile broadly after your big seizure. I know it feels good, but like... There's something about Star Trek casting where it only works out for bombastic characters. Yeah. And plus they got mad lucky with Timison. But... (laughs) That's right. uh, So just big dudes. They they do okay when they get big dudes in. Yeah. And are Timison. But, but not Kieran McDuff. But not Kieran McDuff. And there is a scene, and it's not nice for me to say this, but there Uh-oh. is a scene where <laughs> McDuff says to Worf, you and I are the two warriors on the ship. <laughs> and I thought it was really just like very kind of Worf not to look him yep. up and down and say, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I, he says, I do it. Uh, thought that or whatever. Uh-huh, he, yeah. he should have been like, what? wait, you, me and who? Oh, uh, sorry. The two you of said us? You. you said me and you. Oh. Uh, I had not thought. I had not considered that. No. Um, this episode I thought actually mostly works. It is spooky. We know they're on the wrong mission. We know McDuff is the bad guy, but there's enough shit going on that it doesn't matter that it's not a mystery. Yeah. What I'm torn. Oh, I agree on, that it doesn't matter that it's not a mystery. Yeah. What I'm torn on is the complete lack of explanation at the end. <laughs> was McDuff altered in some way to be able to give himself seizures, withstand stuns, look human, etc.? Or yep. is that just what Satarans are? 
This is how, how they just. This is how they came up with this plan. They're like, "Hey, we just heard about these guys, and we saw a picture, and they fucking look we've just looked, like us. We look just like them. Yeah, they're yeah, that's right. They're one of the A type aliens in the galaxy. You all, yeah. the thirty nine percent of aliens that look identical, except they got guns like you would not fucking believe. <laughs> they got they got this one ship out there, and it's full of children and zoo animals, and it could <laughs> absolutely wipe out. Both of our both of our races. No problem. I know it sounds like I'm exaggerating. This is not an exaggeration. No, it I would be you. it would be so quick. No, and I mean I it is full of animals. It's fucking oh, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got Corvin Gilvos on there. <laughs> yeah, you thought those were extinct? No. no they got they're some. taking two of them to that deathmatch planet now. They're doing like they're doing some they're doing like a weird they're like a uh, victory tour of the galaxy with these gilvos. <laughs> it's fucking these gilvos all insane. over. I saw pictures of the gilvos with a Q. It's fucking weird. This anyway. ship can for sure destroy whole planets. Don't think about it, but it can. Yeah, it's a hundred. It could like just you could just tractor an asteroid straight into a planet, and that'd be it. So, oh, by the way, that's like General Order Seventeen or something for them <laughs> is to completely firebomb the entire, just to glass the entire surface of a planet. So, <laughs> just so you know. Um, uh, how did they come to target Enterprise? What are the ramifications of this little adventure? I would think the war just got really good for the Lysians, because the Federation are probably going to come down pretty hard on the Satarans. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, the Satarans are going to have to come to the table with some pretty big uh, concessions, would be my guess. Or are the Lysians also so morally shitty that the Federation won't want to upset the balance of power? Anyway, we won't ever have any of these answers. Yeah, we want. Um, we don't know dudes... anything about these two aliens. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Maybe that's better. Maybe they'd mess it up. It's the same thing I always say. Maybe it's better they didn't give us any more detail. I don't know. Just a five for me. What about world building? <clears throat> there might be some intelligent life in the Epsilon system, but nobody will care about that for long. <laughs> if I say, have you written, oh shit, not the optical data network. Yeah. That is compromised at one point. Uh, Sumerian Sunset, the Lysian Alliance, Satarans. It seems like they probably killed about 50 people on that destroyer. Oh, yeah. So, that's not ideal. Whomever built... Listen, I'm sure that uh, when the Lysians came to talk about that, Picard's like, if there is to be a lasting peace, we can't let the actions of any one man, like your guy, <laughs> your guy we caught sneaking around our computer, for instance. That's, that's Remember right. that guy? So I'm just saying heroes on both sides. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> whoever made this weapon knew how to make the same effect happen to a one-of-a-kind android brain, too. <laughs> yeah, they, so they got real lucky there, huh? That's some good shit. It's the Edo God. It is the Edo God. Now carrying around 15,000 peeps. Uh, I think it just appeared out of nowhere, and it became their base, like Babylon 4. Uh, yes. The Lysians were like, finally, the the base was, that was prophesied is here to help yeah, us win four, the war against the Satarans. Four or five Lysians that really know where it came from, but they don't <laughs> talk about it. That's right, they're not allowed to. It would upset the time thingy. Um, I, it, outside of this episode, none of this is going to matter. I gave it a one. Well, we are in agreement. It's a one for me, too. Um, I think I called it out with the Vidians over on Voyager that it's nice to see a species that is more advanced than the Federation in some ways and less advanced in others. Yeah. And technically, these Satarans are that, too. Sure. 
but in a way that's only briefly mentioned and much less well explained than the Vidians. Yes. But otherwise, there's not much. It's two species we'll never see again in some obscure corner of space with a weapon that presumably will never be used again, despite most other Starfleet captains being much more susceptible to it than Picard. Like, imagine oh, man, if, if these guys had snared Maxwell and the Phoenix a few That's months what I was ago. Say, man, Ben Maxwell would have been all in on this shit. No more Lysians for sure. Yeah, it would be the, it would have been a genocide. It wouldn't. They wouldn't have stopped at Central Command. They would no, have no, freeze no, no, the whole no, planet. No, 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 no. <laughs> After McDuff figured out that this guy talks about set like three a lot, I should look that up and see if I can work it in somehow. That's right. It says you and I were, uh, we fought together. It's a place called Setlik 3. We're old war buddies. You used to call me Lumpy. <laughs> I'm Irish too. I'm just, I'm your favorite. You always talk about the Blarney Stone. Um, and in terms of characterization, no one is themselves really. It's very unclear whether we're supposed to believe this is everyone's true personality coming through. But no one really acts out of character. And Troy suggests that that's what's happening, even though the way she tells sarcastically says to Riker, it's psychologically valid, <clears throat> suggests that she it really undercuts that take. Yeah. The most interesting character work in this episode is probably not the threesome, but it's probably or the sorry, it's not a threesome. The yeah. love triangle. I don't know. We didn't we don't know that it's happened. a threesome. Troy and Roe were pretty, pretty palled up at the end of that. But uh, that's right. It's probably Data and Jordy's ruminations on the nature and economics of artificial life. Mm. But again, did that mean anything? Yeah, it wasn't really about anything in this episode. So character-wise, I gave it a three. Sure. Yeah, I agreed. I decided at the beginning this would be okay for characterization because they seem to have kept their personalities and ways of thinking. They're just... Now they're operating at my level where their memories (laughs) don't do anything anymore. (laughs) This is me every day. What you saw in that episode you know how is to how I live job, my life. But you don't yeah. remember. You don't remember. You know that <laughs> time that you tried to uh, get a foot long, five dollar foot long at Subway <laughs> and had your card decline. I guess it's a little different because I can be reminded of terrible okay. memories. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Data software is very bad. He can't. He can't see Troy's moves fucking coming in this three D chess match. Yeah, bad software, man. Like Paramount Plus, bad. That's how bad. Yeah. It is weird how he's always, always when you think a conversation is done, you hear 40 <laughs> seconds of some other conversation. conversation even as he's he like had three minutes away. ago with Riker or something, yeah. you're just like, oh, God, it's just coming out of his, his mouth's not even moving. It's just coming out of his face. And it breaks your whole TV. <laughs> yeah, you can never have another TV, never have another TV conversation with Data again. Um, Troy is not at all gracious in victory. No. Just tells Data he has no intuition, so she'll beat his ass every fucking day whenever she likes. Also, she seems much better at 3D chess than he is. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's like much, much better. I'm not sure intuition had anything to do with it. Troy tries hard to save the day in this one, but the writers wouldn't let her. No. She did say over and over again they shouldn't do it, but that's not why they stopped. It's got to be why there's no guide in this week, because she would know what was wrong. I think I have that in quick hitters. Um... Crusher is sassy with this swimming patient. Tells her how she dived wrong and shit. <laughs> what? Yeah, what are you talking about? I thought you were well, the dancing doctor. Are you the diving doctor? She's also now? the diving doctor. That's it's correct. Fucking horse shit. And then when the uh, they lose their memories, the lady's like trying to talk to her and how helpless she feels and everything. Crusher totally ignores her, just looking the other direction and just being like, "Uh huh." <laughs> what a bitch. 
Um, Sorry, I'm over here being fascinated by how I still know how to use this thing that has one button and you just wave over the <laughs> area you want to fix. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah. It's in woo-woo mode. It does all the things you need it to do. Uh, Rolaren is a king. Riker's uh-huh. riding her ass as always, and she just tells him to taste in Alpaca's raw dick with Lowry's <laughs> seasoning salt. It's she so does. Good. Turns out Riker's very kind and patient when he isn't loaded down by prejudice. Yeah. He hated her true. right from the moment he met her because he already had not a, 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 preconce- a preconceived idea of what she was. And then when he doesn't have that, he's like real nice to her. I know it's not from Garusta 3. It's from whatever ship she was mm, on, right? Yes. Yeah, whatever it was. <clears throat> yeah. He had friends on that ship. I don't know. Exactly. And Ro, unburdened by Cardassian atrocities, playing on repeat whenever she closes her eyes, is oh, horny as hell. Very horny. Oh my god. And she likes him tall. Yeah. He but was, not Worf. Well, you are very tall. Uh, Riker was definitely about to propose a thruple in the end of this episode, but instead he's left all alone. Yeah. Picard always lets you shoot your shot. And if your shot erases his memory, oh well, I guess. He's not going to do anything to stop you. He just lets them do their thing. Yeah, Picard did not preemptively surrender, but you know he was thinking, I'm going to do that cool thing where I surrender to a ship that we could wipe the floor Signal with. my surrender. What? Captain, what? <clears throat> uh, Picard keeps talking about his misgivings about the possibility of killing innocent people, like he conveniently forgot about the 50 or so Lysians he wiped a few minutes ago. Yeah. After that happens, like, What did he think was like... going to happen when he had Worf return fire? <laughs> After that happens, several times he's like, I won't kill innocent people. You're like, bro, you just wiped those people. He should have just let them shoot till they were out of lasers. Yeah. Worf IRL thinks he should be the boss and just rolls his eyes and sighs in every staff meeting. So, of course, he just jumps into command mode when all their memories go. Yep. When he sees Picard doing shit, he thinks about challenging him to a duel. But then, like... He finds out he's like 12th in the chain of command and he just skulks away. Just like turns his head and... It was real bad when it said that Dr. Salar was in front of him (laughs) in the command hierarchy. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a duel when they were like, that that volcanologist from the episode with Serzhenka. And he's like, oh my god, they still haven't said me yet. He's okay with being behind Lieutenant B.G. Robinson. She's a lieutenant, <laughs> he's a lieutenant, he don't know. That's right. Um, As always, the crew of the Enterprise is fucking embarrassing. And they should be broken up and acquiesced. Every one of them. <laughs> I, gave it, uh, I gave it a four. What about quick hitters? I'm sure for this fabulous episode you've written some down (laughs) well first crusher could not care less about this diving lady's problems doesn't even look at her troy had the lowest cut top in 10 forward so she was chosen to report in on behalf of everybody (laughs) she said i too am decorated and pointed straight at her cleavage (laughs) um extremely ironic for troy to ask for confirmation uh from starfleet command this is something they literally have never done in with their memories intact it's probably been bugging her it's probably something that's been bugging her for years, but she's just fucking Now it's too late it. to talk about it. Because uh, Bill's always going along with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I guess no one thinks it's crazy. She probably talks about it in uh, Hot Therapy. Yoga with Dr. Crusher. Oh. <laughs> I thought she was going to talk to her patients about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that probably, too. 
Uh, Marjan was mad at Riker and Troy for being horny so soon after killing all those people. Yeah, but again, once they saw that book, it was out of their hands. What were they going to do? I mean, they had to fuck once they looked at the book. Who hasn't fallen victim to that? She wasn't mad at Riker, who have, have fucked Roe eight hours ago? <laughs> Apparently not. Okay. Just at just this, how soon it was after that tragedy of those those people yeah, dying. That's fair. It's all fair. I say in the quick hitters, did McDuff make himself have a seizure, or was he faking? Because she should be able to tell if he's faking. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think I said everything else, so that's it. Quick hitters for you. Yeah, sure, I got some. No one knows how 3D chess works, I guess. Marjan, Marjan for like a year, she was like, I just have to sit down and teach myself how to play 3D chess. Because she bought a 3D chess. Oh, okay. She's like, I just have to sit down and do it. And then, you know, she got pregnant. So that was the end of that. <laughs> uh, but regular 2D chess is at a point here in 2022 where the best player in the world, that's Magnus Carlsen. Yeah. Would not be able to beat a chess engine on a regular PC. Oh, no. Just also, no chance. He would refuse to play it on account of the many times that it cheated in the past. Well, I mean, this is the, the point, right? The If the guy is a cheater, he's just cheating by opening a, having a chess engine open in another window. Mm-hmm. Like, it is it is proof. This whole cheating scandal is proof that, yeah, not, it, you actually don't need that much computer these days to be better than any human in chess. Yeah. When this episode came out, regular computers were still real beatable. In fact, this was before supercomputers could beat regular players. This so I before, get it. before, like, Deep Blue, the computer? Yeah, exactly. Not um, not the video game, the Turbo Graphics game. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it sure seems impossible that Troy could beat Data, intuition or not. Like, has he just not installed Stockfish 3D? <laughs> it would be funny if every time they played, he wiped his memory of 3D chess so he was just starting fresh. Yeah. Uh, he should He should be, He should keep playing Stratagema with her. He should... He should move to a different game. Yeah. Um. Do you have an hour? What do the holodeck safeguards actually do? <laughs> I, I get that preventing ligament damage is a trickier proposition than making a bullet not actually hit someone or whatever. Right. But between O'Brien and this lady, yeah, it it seems like it's still perfectly possible to do real damage in the holodeck. Yeah, because you can just do a whoopsie fall and yeah, break your hip or whatever. So, yeah, it doesn't protect you from that. You can gotta, still fall into the water and get all wet. They got to come up with a better name for the holodeck safeguards, I guess. Yeah, um, uh, game game genie invincibility, but it's just like in game genie. If you fall into the lava and you're invincible, you have to reset the game. Yeah, this unfamiliar ship. That Macduff rolls up in? Yeah. Is the Mondor. <laughs> it is Chorgon's ship. Sure, sure, sure. It is a Cardassian supply ship that the Phoenix uh, pull, pulls over. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the trail ship that brings uh, Odin's new host. Right. And a couple of other things, not in TNG. All right, so it hasn't been used that many times. Right. So <laughs> it's only been used a few times, including as the pack-led ship, the Mondor. <laughs> where we had kind of a starring role. Yeah, honestly, that's true. That's where they built. That's what they built the model for. I mean, the Mondor and Reginod. I mean, that's that whole episode for me. This is Reginod, my friend. <laughs> this is my friend Reginod. <laughs> Reginod. Uh, so good. Select a representative from your group <coughs> and report back on your status. 
sounds like the kind of can you write up assignment that I occasionally get, and I'm sure that Worf got 150 different formats back. Uh huh. Absolutely. I have a genuine question for you, Matt. Hmm. Does Riker not like Jordy? This is the second week in a row that Riker has walked Jordy to his engineering situation and then immediately fucked off. Yeah, I th- I think what's happening is Jordy thinks they're old friends from the hood. <laughs> but Riker it definitely just thinks of him as a guy he used to work with on the hood. So, right. yeah, he's got to find a way to ditch him every now and then. <laughs> it's a small ship if you think about it. I, I mean, you can it. walk from engineering to the bridge in like nine seconds, so... No turbo lifts. Um, do you think when Worf was in Picard's ready room, thinking it was his ready room, he was making up little stories for himself about why he had a huge volume of Shakespeare <laughs> and a lionfish and what that orange circuit diagram was and this meditation crystal? Do you think yes. he was like, why is there a spare pair of boots in here with lifts in them and they're not my size? <laughs> or or do you think he didn't think anything was wrong I with that I must have scenario? a smallish boyfriend. <laughs> right? Who comes in here every once in a while and he left his boots here. Like, he just sat among all of Picard's artifacts. And the like, crystal yep. was a gift for our anniversary. This is my office. <laughs> this is all my stuff. <laughs> this fish is, uh, uh it's the, uh, it's a, a gift from my father, the greatest warrior of, let me look, let me look, let me look, the uh, computer seems to think I'm Klingon. My father, the greatest warrior and not a traitor. Um, now he just didn't think about it at all, huh? He just sat no. there surrounded by all of Picard's things. He said, and he I, like, these are the captain's desk. spoils. <laughs> <laughs> all of my trinkets. That's my painting, and that's my Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, the Lysian Destroyer, that's our boy Endar's ship from Suddenly Human. Oh, getting a lot of reuses in this one, huh? They did not yeah. want to spend any money. They already had to pay out big to get McDuff on here. Yeah, yeah, they did. Hey, um, why does Riker keep his academy diploma on his desk? Um, Everyone he talks to all day also graduated from the academy, except O'Brien and Troy. Do you think he's worried that people think he's dumb and he wants to be able to prove he went to college? Yes, I do. I think that's as far as his intellectual exploits have gone. So that's what he's going to show off. Picard for sure doesn't even know where his academy diploma is. No, he probably doesn't it, even know where his Academy Marathon medal is. It may have been lost on the Stargazer. Like, oh, yes, I mean, once I won a small race, and everyone's it, like, no, it was legendary, the Academy Marathon. The only <laughs> freshman ever to win, and he's like, oh, yes, I must have the medal somewhere. Well, Riker's got his diploma on his desk. <laughs> I hope he shows it to people. I mean, to be fair, what does he, what what he use that desk in his office for? Uh, I assume it's just got an iPad full of pictures of Minuet. Probably. That he just scrolls through every once in a while and leaps silently. And the computer can't make a picture of Minuet happen. Nope. And uh, he forgot to ask uh, Barash to do it. So (laughs) uh, it's actually just a bunch of Dolly AI representations of Minuet that (laughs) he got by just just screaming sultry redhead at it. A redhead, um, but more sultry. I you know, so the face is jacked, but it sort of resembles well, her. I guess I should do it now. Crayon. <laughs> crayon, crayon, crayon AI. I'm going to say a redhead, but more sultry. Um, Listen, when I watch Frasier, I always tell Niles, this isn't your house, you can just leave. 
the same when Riker walks into 10 forward and sees Troy and Roe sitting together. Leave. Anytime you want to, you can leave. He could just turn around and leave. Even if he needs to poop, there's a toilet on the bridge. And I, by the way, I assume he doesn't poop in his own quarters. No. What? Riker? No. He goes down the hall to Burger King or whatever and poops there. But (laughs) he's definitely not in his own quarters. First of all, he's not really sure which drawer is the toilet. No, they didn't cover that at the academy. Yeah. He's an he's a graduate. I don't know if you. Knew I that. mean, he was on the hood, which was Excelsior class, and just had a stainless steel toilet. Probably. Oh, it was probably just a trough. <laughs> Could have been a trough. I saw that ship. It had it had uh, midshipmen, dude. That uh, that's just trough situation. Anyway, Riker, when you see those two ladies together, you could just leave. That's you right. Could just turn around and leave. It's really true of any situation in life. Yeah, uh, Romulans. At war with uh, with with the Klingons, you just turn around and leave. Yeah, you walk in, you see a Borg assimilating Troy, you just leave. Get out of there. Just turn around. Uh, like you, I was uh, keeping an eye out for uh, Roe to do a bunch of king shit this week. You called out the turbo lift stuff. She uh, does not care at all. I thought at the end in ten forward. She really manages to turn it back on Riker. Like, mm-hmm. he was the one raring to go, and it wasn't, like, her showing up in his quarters and saying stuff like, who says you're going to get any sleep? She was, like, three Vecmas in this episode. Like, a triple Vecma. I mean, I, listen, I don't think the sexual energy of Vecma was there. <laughs> the pure, the pure sexual energy? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I guess it, I, I agree. Or the, actually not Vecma, but the other one, the one who's curious. Yes, the even uglier one without a name. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but anyway, Riker deserves having his chops busted because he was 100% going to cheat on Rolaren with Troy. Like, yeah. not even a second thought. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> now, that doesn't look anything like Minuet, but no. I do love that the AI gave her enormous cans. Huge Every single picture was, I guess that's what it means by sultry. It was like, ah, <laughs> uh, it means big tits. Big old tatties. Um... I gave best actor to frustrated Rolaren. Okay. And worst actor to sexually frustrated Rolaren. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, 27 this week, so six points higher than, oh, uh, than oh, TNG Voyager. scored last week. Oh, Voyager. So, Voyager, not going to get a win, but maybe if Deep Space Nine really, really slips and falls in poop, it, uh, it could get second place. It's possible. We'll see. Oh man, you're right. There's a huge cans on every one of these. Every uh, single min- one minuets. It's just like fucking warheads on this chick. <laughs> well, there's only one more to talk about, and Yay. thankfully I don't have to describe it. We watched uh for Deep Space Nine this week we watched a simple investigation. <laughs> Some kind of cloak man asks the computer for the time and uh, grabs his keys and wallet and vaccine card and shit like we all do. Oh, I have two takes on this boy. Do you want Do you want them? No, go for it. Okay, so uh, number one, what I thought when I saw it is that this guy's outfit looks like a rough draft for Tyon Medon of the planet Utapau <laughs> in Star Wars. <laughs> okay. Since you're Googling, you might want to Google that guy. Uh, Tywin... <laughs> tie on meat on. on yeah yeah uh and then the one that the greatest generation noticed when they saw this boy was that he looks like the great cornholio 
His hood does kind of look like you pulled yeah. your shirt up over your back of your head. Yeah, exactly. So two visual references for that guy. Well, we'll find out later. There's a big mission to find Teepee for his bunghole. Um, <laughs> That's right. Anyway, some forehead nostril grease balls come in and pummel him a bit, asking him about the location of a mysterious item. The guy says, all right, I'll just show you where it is. But one of the goons accidentally vaporizes him. Yeah. So now all they can do is wait for the woman to arrive. <laughs> they don't say it like Spock, but. <clears throat> Bashir is letting people play his dumb spy slash sex program and yeah. handing out roles. O'Brien's put out about having to play Falcon like he always does. But Odo gets real shifty and nervous and backs out. Why is he shifty and nervous? There's no, you know, they don't say why. Yeah, Odo. it's got something to do with maybe oh, Jesus. They don't say why for sure, but they don't. Maybe it has something to do with the role. Like he's, but she wants him to, to sex a hologram. Yeah, but he, he might have to sex a hologram, and that's it's too much for him. I mean, I feel like the same thing that we just said about Riker applies to Odo too. You could just not sex the hologram. You could. Who's going to make I, you? I think the implication is that maybe the main existential crisis <laughs> that Odo has is: Am I a hologram? Like. <laughs> I'm sort of not real in the sense, like, this is not my form. Sure. Am I any different? Yeah, these people are just like me. They get it. Uh, anyway, he goes to save a lady from Quark. You know, he's pestering her, trying to sell her shit. I don't know. Um, she's very abrasive, and that does it for Odo for some reason. Maybe that's why he likes Kira. I mean, it makes it would make sense. <laughs> Credits. Kira and Odo are chatting about this lady, and Kira is egging him on, telling him he should see her again. But Odo finds the lady in the security office when he goes to work. Turns out she was booked for breaking into the station databases or records or whatever, looking for the cloak man, whom we already know did a big beef all over the carpet. <laughs> she says this guy was helping her find her daughter. So Odo agrees to help her. They go to his quarters and find his nasty stain on the ground. And Odo lets her go about the stealing station records thing because he's a tongue-tied freak. And then catches this lady doing more sloppy spy work, trying to break into shit again. And she admits, uh, yeah, I'm not looking for my daughter. That was a bullshit story. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually working for the Orion Syndicate. That's a thing I would just say out loud. Yeah. That's the thing you can admit. And uh, you just sent me a picture of uh, the guy that you were talking about. And yeah, I mean, I can see it. <laughs> I mean, this episode came first. So if anything, George stole from Deep Space Nine. This alien looks a little bit like more work was done on him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On like I said, a, pr part. a prototype for Tyon on Meadon. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, that's a lie I told you. I'm working for the Orion Syndicate. But she wants to get out. And she tried to meet the Cloakman here to get some dirty info about uh, dra Drain, Drang, Dram. <laughs> I don't really know. I, I kept missing it at this point. I did later pick it up. But um, some Syndicate guy. Then she'll be able to get out, I guess. The Nostril Goons are still aboard, tracking her every move. The dumber one says he's sad they're going to have to kill her. And, like, we already saw them ice a guy, so I don't know why that's supposed to be a big reveal, but the music cue says it is. Um, 
Odo sneaks the lady into his quarters where she'll be safe. <laughs> Except from him. In in my bed. Uh-huh. Anyway, she got this data crystal that they can't access. It's got the dirt on it. The dirt on Dream. And uh, she gives a big sob story about being a net girl on one of those Turkana 4 planets. <laughs> yep. And she thinks she's going to end up dead, and Odo says he'll protect her until she can testify against Drame. Drame? Drame. No, it's, it's, it's Dram, like, um, like Graham, but with a D. Okay. It's got a, that um, H in it and everything. <clears throat> Odo interrupts Bashir's hollow sex. Bashir literally says it's that kind of program. Uh, to ask him about women? Yep. Some real Wesley Crusher level questions. Yeah. Bashir says it's uh it's worth taking the chance on love, even though you could get hurt. I get. I guess when Wesley Crusher asks people, Picard tells him, "I don't know nothing about women," and he eventually mm-hmm. goes and talks to Riker. Right. Mm-hmm. In this one, he goes to Bashir, and that's a weird choice. Yeah. Like I guess he dated Lita for a minute, but. But mostly just sex holograms. But there aren't really a lot of better choices for Odo to go to here. His Dax? best choice would have been Dax. And yeah. he didn't think of that, and maybe that's he's a sexist. That's right. Doesn't he know she used to be a man anyway? I mean, geez. Odo comes home and smashes this lady good. Yeah. He becomes a big waterbed that she rolls around on, and then he becomes three trumpeters doing fanfare. It is glorious. Odo tells this lady that he's never done the wild weasel with a solid before. He did the umami tsunami with the other changelings once, Gross. but that was different. By the way, I just noticed she has a name. It's Arissa. Her name's Arissa. <laughs> Her name is Arissa. Uh, this biddy plays real vulnerable, so Odo keeps protecting her while she does whatever she's really doing, since at this point in the episode, I thought it was obvious from the first scene that she was going to be a bad guy who betrays him in the end. <clears throat> Worf gets all over Dax's ass for gossiping. Everybody's in everybody else's business on this station. I hate Odo's little ankle boots. I know that should go in quick hitters or something, but I just really fucking hate him. He's been wearing the Olive Marissa for ages, and it has to end. It is the Olive Marissa. I would shout out, I would just go up to him and shout, the cycle ends here, and blast him about those little boots. You sure that color isn't sandalwood or... <laughs> I don't know, camel? I don't know what camel. It is the Camel Marissa. <laughs> Which is the name of a Billy Joel song, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Good, that's two mentions for him today. Okay, and a Edanian, Edanian dude shows up saying that this lady works another, for him. Another Cornholio. Yeah, he's another cloakman. Um, She works for him, but she doesn't know it. Her mind was wiped. She's one of the mind-wiped spies. Yep. Um, And the crystal... With the, the the dirt on it or whatever, that's actually her. It's her personality or memories or something. It's hard to say. Um, but she's a perfect sleeper agent, and um, Arissa's going to hand over the crystal to the goons, so they'll leave her alone. And they're about to kill her when suddenly somebody yells, "Bat with a hammer!" <laughs> and the goons go down. <laughs> Bashir helps transfer her memory back, and then this Adanian. Guy says that Dram is going to prison for a long time. Did they capture him? 
I don't remember that. Why is he going no, to prison? They've got all of the evidence about his organization from her because she kept her memories of her time as Orissa also. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, it seems like they may have guys maybe put the cart before the horse on this one. She can testify against him if they can find a court where this weird mind wipe procedure leaves her evidence, <laughs> right. you know, admissible. I, I felt I like in Idanian to... court, maybe they can. Yeah, I felt like there was work to be done on this, but that guy By seems the way, to think it's a slam dunk. Is Idanian spice pudding a thing? Oh, uh, I mean, that sounds like it could be a thing, but it could it just, might just be a, be a name that uh... sounds like it. Uh, well, I don't know if it's related to the other Adanians, but yeah, it's on Deep Space Nine. Um, the lady appears in Odo's quarters with her real forehead. Uh, she's got a husband, that lying bitch. <laughs> How but dare she? She says it was all real, but like, she can't really keep doing the, the wet whale with him anymore. That's the end of the episode, man. Yeah. Um, what was the take of this fine episode? Yeah, there's almost no take in this little noir piece here that they've uh-huh. done. All I can do for you is the thing that Bashir says to him, which is getting your heart broken is better than wondering what might have been. Okay. It's like one of the most common messages on TV. Yes. but it Is it kind a of- very sci-fi take? Oh, it absolutely is not. Uh, it kind of works for Odo because he's so guarded and apart from everybody. Sure. But it can't score huge, especially since there are multiple other outcomes to, for instance, coming on to a woman who may be a criminal and is under your protective custody. Mm. It's not just a matter of being rejected. There could potentially be other yeah. consequences. That no one's worried about in this world. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, a, it's an old take. It's a tire. I gave it a three. Um, yeah, I have Take a Chance on Love. Huh? Oh, that's because it's not a disease. I give that a one. That's yeah. a one for me. <laughs> uh, this is uh, why you said you were tough but fair, huh? Yeah, you don't understand. Is this what the episode is? I had to watch all of that? For that? Oh, okay, cool. <clears throat> well, execution. Somebody wanted to make one of those 80s sex thrillers. Yes. Delivered the horniest script you ever read with your wang. Imagine his disappointment when it turned into this fucking sterile piece of dog shit. The Melty Man's nips? Oh, God, I had so much boob poetry in my script for the cloaked hog, and they give me this weird old man nip? Yeah. Odo is, uh, wildly naive, and the episode still manages to let him down easy. It does. It's not that the lady used him or that she got blasted at the end. She's just a memory poor spy who has to go home and take her kids to their hover competitive eating practices or laser steeplechase. I don't know. Whatever people do in the future. How fucking weak was this script? This was essentially an Odo and guest joint the whole way with no B plot. And although the B plot would have been terrible a full 40 minutes of this was very hard (laughs) so i gave it a two all right well uh i have this as a five or six but since you gave it a two it's gonna be a five so (laughs) okay there are a couple of things that work and a couple of things that don't the wisecracking goons are dumb yeah the dialogue seems to have been written as if they were going to shoot a film noir but then they didn't 
Right. <laughs> and of course, now I have to know that Odo has nipples. Yeah, he, he, he picks bothers, them for himself. He Maybe he had them that. when he was a solid. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's true. Maybe that's when he got them. And then he's like, I guess I'll keep them. Uh, on the other side of the equation, <clears throat> I thought Kira gave a very interesting performance in her three or four little scenes. Yeah, that they don't really go, they don't really address it. No but one she is doing something. Yes. So at the beginning, she encourages Odo to see this woman again. But it becomes clear that she does not believe that he is capable of a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. And that she is doing this to be a supportive friend. And that she intends to be there when he gets hurt because nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And then every time someone is like, I don't know. Oh, no, he's like really going for he's it. He's really getting around good. with that lady. Yeah. She's so like. She's like, what? No. Huh? No. Yeah, but it's, yeah exactly. It, uh, and it's like. What? She's starting to think of him maybe a little differently, like, oh, maybe he is capable of something I didn't think he was, and I don't, I don't really like the way I feel about this, and it's, mm. it's, it's she's giving very interesting little takes in there. Um, yeah, I do wonder if they had even remembered that they were going to do something about that. Yeah. It's hard to know what they were doing. Exactly. Whether they actually intended to follow through on some kind of romantic relationship between the two of them, or if... Oh, I think they didn't, but they forgot to tell... No, but she remembered. <laughs> That's right. She remembered the one where she had to play the lady changeling playing her. Exactly. Yeah. Um, O'Brien had a little small touch moment I really liked. Okay. Um, and despite all of the sex talk, I thought Odo and Arissa pretty much worked for me. The stakes were low. I guessed the wrong twist ending because, like you, I thought she was. Well, no, I specifically thought she was Drain. Oh. Like it was that kind of twist ending. Oh, that she is Dram. Right. Um, but I, I, like I said, I thought it wasn't that bad. I gave it a five. Okay. Well, so we, we are, are different on that one. We're apart on this one a little bit so far. What about the world building? Data ports. Yeah. Data ports are legal but fishy. And because Odo has fascist tendencies. <laughs> yeah. That we've seen before with his surveillance state, well, etc. cetera. You know? He thinks they should be illegal because no one's ever up to anything good with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the station has an assayer's office. I think we've seen that before, but it's always interesting to me. I think it's been mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Odo can do liquid stuff during sex and ladies are wild for it. I don't know what he did. I was trying to figure it out because, you know, I'd, I'd like to smarten myself well, up. Everyone, would like, everyone <laughs> has room to improve their game. Yeah, sure. I was just like, well, okay, what's he doing down there with his liquid? And I couldn't and, really tell. Then he also did that thing where his hand merged with her a little bit, and I don't understand that at all. Yeah, what's the biology of that? How does yeah, that work? what happened in there? Is anyway, she okay? liked it. Whatever. I don't know. Um, This is the only show, I think in all of Star Trek, that treats telepathy as a problem. It's the only episode in all of Star well, Trek. Well, no, Odo, sure. Odo had... Remember, he had devices that they were going to put all around the promenade to defeat or to prevent telepaths from doing something in an earlier episode. Yes, and I remember being mad that no one had ever talked about that before in Star Trek. Well, in this case, the reason that she has a memory wipe to be a perfect plant is to defeat the telepaths that Drain employs. So this is the only people who this is the only series that treats telepathy as an issue. Yeah, I, yeah. I wish it made sense in this greater universe where yeah. they just got a they got the Bajoran, the Bajorans, they got the Betazoids and shit, and no one seems to have ever thought like, is this okay? What we're doing? What do we do and, about them? Yeah, exactly. 
And then also continuity points for the Orion Syndicate. So I'm as much as a four on World Build. Oh man, is this your episode of the week? Uh, well, let me check. Yeah, I guess go pr- prior to being talked down. Yeah, this is my episode <laughs> of the week. Okay, we're gonna be very far apart. On this, this is one. your. This is the one that you gave seven points initially. <laughs> I think so. Yes. Okay. Cool. Finea Prime. They have a few bad apples on that planet's police force, but just a few bad apples. To anything that lady says about it, just, you know, she's exaggerating. <laughs> she's some kind of Antifa. Um, this lady has a data port in her neck. It's USB. It's crazy old, though. <laughs> uh, the Cloakman was uh, Edanian. They're a secretive race, so, you know, cloaks. You get it. <laughs> no one is allowed to know the size of anyone else's traps. <laughs> when they say they're a secretive race, and I just went, oh, my God. Put him in a cloak because it's a secretive race. Um, yeah. Sometimes vaporizing somebody makes the carpet all messy. Yeah, Maybe I guess it if depends you depends on the gun, I don't. It know. It probably does depend on the gun. Phasers seem pretty clean. There wasn't like, well, I guess they're clean and they aren't. Sometimes they vaporize people pretty good. Like, yeah, like they just disappear. if it's Utah of the clan <laughs> Traleska. A la Utah. Sometimes they leave a big spaghetti mess, like if it's uh, <laughs> Remick. Yeah, he got blown up good. Um, Net Girls, which, you know, actually happened, so good job, DS9 writers. <laughs> yeah, they, it's, they don't go into a lot of detail about it, and honestly, you know, maybe they saw Logan's run. But <laughs> yeah, uh, it does sound like... The version of Net Girls that uh, that Arissa believed she had done is that she let men into her mind somehow oh. through her data port. Oh, never mind. That's not the same. Yeah, I don't think. I don't know. Is that a thing? How much does it cost? I don't. I don't think she was just uh, posting feet pics and stuff. I think that <laughs> she wasn't just a cam, a cam girl. Right. Yeah. She men got into her brain somehow oh. through her port. All right. Well, then never mind. That didn't happen yet. Yeah. But soon. Soon. Uh, Dream employs telepaths and does illegal scans. If only that made sense in this universe, I said. Yeah. Um, anyway, sleeper agents with mind wipes, which is not necessarily new. Um, I have it as a two. Well, what about characterization then? Odo's a weird cat, man. <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, he's so weird. Sometimes he's actually a cat, but that's not true in this case. But he's yeah. just, like, he's so fucking weird. He can't talk to anybody. And he's ugly. Is this characterization? Sure. <laughs> he he's a his... weird dude and is he French? <laughs> like Odo was a king of the Franks and also René Aubergenois. That's right. Uh, he tells us lady he wants to help her because she had the courage to walk away from the Orion Syndicate. He didn't have the courage to walk away from the Cardis. No, he just stood there and blamed Gul Dukat while three Bajorans <laughs> got blasted for crimes they didn't commit <laughs> and a bunch of stuff. But we know he wants to help her because she stiffened up his goopy horn. So <laughs> I don't know. I guess he's sad in the end. Who knows or cares, honestly. We're not going to see this lady again, and he's never going to talk about this again. So I don't know. What is it? This is anytime we have a one-off romance episode, it's like, there's no reason even to track it. Yeah. Unless we got some theory corner. Um, again, is Kira hoping she can attach Odo to somebody else and not have to worry about him anymore? Is she just trying to be supportive? 
It's, you know, what's going on in that first scene? And then, like you said, she does a lot of... What? Oh, not, that's not my Odo. No, that's... I don't. We're all with having a, we're, we're having fun with this, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't put it in to a woman, a, a physical woman. He, would, he might goop it up with the goopsters, you know, on the goop planet, but he wouldn't penetrate. <laughs> uh, Worf and Dax are still the Bickersons. Yeah. I don't know. No one else is really in this, so no. it's, it's an Odo vehicle. I gave it a three. Uh, even here, I liked it one better. I gave it a four. The um, all right. So when they wrote this, they did intend for it to be evidence that Odo had gotten over Kira. Now, spoiler oh. alert: they're gonna walk that back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but either way, he got to learn some things this week. Be vulnerable. Get dumped in a gentle way. Stuff yep. that if the writers are up to it. Should all help when that Kira stuff gets going again. Mm-hmm. Kira plays it really subdued here. She's the only one not delighted by the idea of Odo in a relationship. Uh, everyone else is on Little League duty, but I do not like O'Brien trying to dip it in on the holodeck. I don't like yeah. it at all. He wants to get the lady on the holodeck. Hey, what about Keiko, you fuck? You got She's got a brand kids. new baby at home. She didn't give birth to the baby, but she has a brand new baby at home. And you're <laughs> you out two, here? Two kids. You already had an emotional affair with your coworker. Uh-huh. You fucking lumpy turd. <laughs> you real piece of shit. <sighs> I got some quick hitters. Okay, go for it. Um, these guys have even more nostrils than Paylor Toff. Good. Nostrils all up on their chin, up on their forehead, probably under their hair. There's more nostrils. Oh, God, yeah, probably. So many fucking nostrils on these dudes. Someone came up to them and they were like, those nostrils go all the way down. Uh. <laughs> and that worked. That line worked. Uh, Odo has a hard time getting out of this holodeck adventure, and I just need to tell him, you either need a specific excuse for why you can't do something, or you have to establish years and years of just saying, who's coming? And then when Ryan tells you who's coming, you say, nah. <laughs> but it takes a long time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, he just kind of goes, oh, I don't, I think um, uh, you you should probably find someone else to play. I'm so sorry. And then he walks away and you just go, hey, has Odo been crushed off screen? What happened? Why is he like this? Doesn't Did he up. have a, and I don't know why I want to ask this question. Did he have a haven moment? What is going on? <laughs> they never talk about why he's such a weird creep in the beginning. Um, Yeah, like I said, O'Brien is horny on Maine for a picture of a cleavagey blonde. Yeah. The dude just, just use, hates his wife. He hates her very much. He could just use the AI program that I was using. Exactly. <laughs> um... Arissa keeps saying that Odo has bedroom eyes. Are bedroom eyes just sad and confused? Uh, I thought it meant like super sunken in, like sunken like four inches. Ah, into yeah, his yeah, head. like like a lot of a lot of appliances on top of the normal face, and so so, so many prostheses. 
when I was writing my notes, I described this woman as a real Hannah Bates type, but it is it's the same actress. It just ah. is the actress who plays Hannah Bates. Well, you weren't wrong. It was Hannah Bates type for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, she is the woman who Archer falls in love with in the episode where oh. Hosha gets her groove back. Man, hey, what, she just keeps popping up as the one the one off ladies. Also, Crazy. she's a, a waitress in Spaceballs. Um, oh, is she the one who gets to talk? No, she well, <laughs> she gets she does. She's the one uh, where Barf's tail goes up her skirt, not okay. the one that Barf uh, keeps saying cleavage instead of soup or whatever. <laughs> it's good uh, jokes. This is a good. So joke. anyway, that actress has been in a bunch of things. Um, you described two great jokes that if I was doing the audio commentary, I'd go. That's a little joke. That's a joke. It's a little it's joke a I joke made there. Did. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they, during this little run of Deep Space Nine, they've got extra Federation ships around the station, and they really picked one of the dumbest Wolf 359 or Quaylor 2 models to show <laughs> patrolling. The one with, like, highlighter nacelles and a Maki Raider <laughs> secondary hull. Oh, everyone's least favorite. Hey, didn't I yeah. see, um, was it a prank, or did I see STO teasing that that was going to be a ship that's available? Uh, yeah, they were teasing it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um... Does anything, Matthew, feel less futuristic than a chair still leaving deep marks in the carpet? <laughs> like when Oda goes in there and goes, wait a minute, and moves the chair, and it's just like the outlines of the chair feet are sunk deep into the carpet, and I'm like, yeah, that's the future, all right. You'll never be able to get rid of that. <laughs> so Why bother living anywhere? You vacuum over and over again, that's not going away. Why, why anyone fucking put down roots and live anywhere? They just ruin their own home. I'm sorry, I'm trying to sell my condo, so I'm yeah. kind of going through it a little bit. <laughs> uh, these data port props look awful up close. <laughs> like, these were meant to be seen on a 13-inch TV. They're huge, the first of all. She has to jack into the net in yes. a real big way. They they it like... can't be subtle about that. you got to be, like, fucking connected with a big glowing tube all the way into the... Into the board. Yes. They look like they were made by Hasbro, but the molds were really old, so none of the lines are crisp. <laughs> Could be. Uh, at one point, Orissa says to him, you keep threatening to have me stripped down. And she's not wrong. Odo is mm. making threats with sexual undertones in this episode. Yeah, because uh, his inexperience makes him a criminal. We should all forgive him because he's inexperienced. This is where I wrote, Orissa is going to turn out to be the Pontiac Bandit, isn't she? Yes, that would have been good. If then like she I took off her, took off her mask, and she was Craig Robinson. Yeah. Sorry, I get all my Robinsons mixed up these days. You got it. Um, and guy goes and gets some Hasperat, and so. But I imagine this dialogue as, uh, "What did you get? Oh, it's called El Monterey Microwave Bean and Cheese Burritos. <laughs> Spicy." And then the other guy said, "It's somehow molten and frozen." That's right. It's weird. One bite is frozen. The next bite has left me. Uh, it's burned one of my nostrils. Uh, this girl comes from another one of those busted ass non-Federation worlds where she did space chatterbait in her brain. <laughs> the dude who wrote this belongs in a dungeon. Of course. Oh, I mean, all of them do. I mean, really. They should be rounded up. Yeah. And then I wrote, testify in what court, who has jurisdiction, why would Odo need to take a leave of absence? Mm -hmm. And then I wrote, I was really hoping we wouldn't have to see this James Bond shit at all. 
I know. They do it. They do a scene. Yeah. The only, I guess the joke is Odo's hanging out outside of his car while the car's driving. He's messed up. It's, it doesn't feel real anymore. Right. Uh, you can't go through life trying to avoid getting a broken heart, says the guy who has maybe spent the last 20 years trying to stay just out of the spotlight because he's personally illegal. Yeah, he's afraid to finish second place in every contest in his life, so no one ever catches on to anything. Uh-huh, but you can't go through life trying to avoid getting a broken heart. That's right. his advice. He knows all about ladies. Yeah, who did it better, Matt? Odo opening the door of a driving car with Bashir in it, or Crichton blowdarting the cast of Pride and Prejudice? <laughs> Very nice. Red Dwarf did it better. Again. Uh, and then I somehow don't believe that Odo has nipples. I don't know why. Maybe because he's so bad at faces. Uh, yeah. He's just living in that same uncanny valley that we live in today. Where technology's good at making lots of realistic looking objects but once you start getting into faces it's just like nah it's not so good though yeah no one in star trek ever says get them titties out right i haven't heard it i mean it's they true have i haven't to be heard very it. oblique mm-hmm. like when rose says who says you're gonna get any sleep or whatever yeah record doesn't all... say to her so dump them out That would have been, I would have given it fucking 81 points out of, of 40. 81 out of 40. Uh, Odo asks Sarissa if she could tell he was a virgin. She doesn't ask him how she compared to the Great Link, though. She must have vaginal hubris. I, <laughs> she definitely has vaginal hubris, for sure. Um, <clears throat> she, um, that's really what made me think she was a bad guy. It's like, even in those moments, she was just so all in. She was like, oh, yeah. Ooh, tell me more about the fucking Great Link. And not, like, throwing up a little bit in her mouth. Yeah. Like you'd think she would be. Uh, Arissa gets plastic surgery and tells Otto she's married. I guess because she hasn't gotten any letters about how he's moved on and recycled their dog. <laughs> so. <laughs> she knows that relationship's still going to be solid when she goes home. That's right. Yeah. Her perfect living boyfriend is doing just fine. As far as best actor, I loved the small touch of O'Brien dropping his Falcon character briefly for a cheerful, Hi, Odo. <laughs> Good job, Colm. And worst actor one. Uh, was Quark flirting. No. Yeah, he literally did hard. Yeah. Scene one. Yeah, by the way, why didn't Odo go to his best friend for advice? Uh, yeah, well, very good. It's a very good question. He's got a best friend right there on the station. Well, he was probably worried because it seemed like Quark liked the same lady. And um, he didn't want to get get that going. Anyway. No, bros before hoes is what it was still okay to say back then. Uh, did you have some quick hitters? Slash, have you already done them? I don't remember. Uh, well, I, I did describe the episode, so most of my quick hitters are just in there about his dumb boots and all that. But, um, did Rene Aubergine just growl at this lady? <laughs> yes, he did. That made me very upset. <laughs> More upset than when I got the ad for pubic hair. About how everyone should just have it, and it's great. <laughs> From the pubic hair council. Hashtag say pubic. That's so weird. <sighs> Fucking insane. So that was it. <clears throat> so we did it. We did it, and it's done. We did do it. It is done. And um, 
Let's see. I was a 16 on A Simple Investigation, and you were an oh. 8. So oh, that's... We were very far apart on that one. That's not our farthest distance in either direction. You've been no, as far as... but it was as, your first place and my last place. Yes, you've been as far as 13 points ahead of me in score, and I've been as far as 10 points ahead of you in a score previously, so... Yes. It's not... But it uh, did prevent it from taking the win. It did prevent it from taking the win. Um, it was enough to surpass Voyager, though. <laughs> Poor Voyager. I thought so, I wasn't paying attention to how you were scoring things. I just assumed we had rated the same one in last place. So I thought <laughs> they were going to escape, but they didn't escape. They did not. Uh, Voyager <laughs> still in last place with 21 points this week. Then DH Space Nine, a simple investigation with 24. The winner this week with uh, only 27 points, TNG <sighs> Conundrum. 27 Conundrum. is such a bad score. It is not good. Win. Good lord. Uh, I know we had a 25, we had a tie for a win in week 108, where both had 25. Yes, that was but, rough. Uh, and we had a 22 in week 105. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure, 27 is not the worst, but it's poor. 22. The most common score among uh, our winning episodes is still 40. Okay, well, maybe someday and, we'll see a 40 again. And the average for our winning episodes is still about 39, so... Uh, I say again, the last time we had a 40 was week 100. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's definitely been a while. Uh, that is the Next Generation's 46th win, so they're back up to plus 8 on Deep Space Nine. Lots of time left to go there. Voyager in a little bit of trouble. There are, I think there are 55 episodes left for Voyager before Voyager goes out. All right, so they're not long, they're not that far from being mathematically eliminated. <laughs> they're honestly a little bit close because they are forty-three behind the next generation. It's not good. So it's uh, not looking good. Their magic number is shrinking. Yeah, so they need to win uh, forty-three. Uh, even that wouldn't be enough because there's enough Deep Space Nine episodes for them then to be in uh, in first place. But yeah. they need to win, I think, forty-four of the remaining fifty-five episodes, and. Frankly, that seems a little unlikely. Seems out of their league, for yeah. sure. They, but uh, there's still lots really of wrote, time for them to pass Enterprise. They wrote they such a bad seven. show. Isn't it crazy what a bad show they wrote? It's They had so many cracks at it. They've done 113 of these. Uh-huh. Why are they still so bad? They're not, they're not getting much better, frankly. No, their average keeps dropping. They're down to under 24 an episode now. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah, and if you it's look at their done. if you look at their three episode average, their last yeah. peak was around uh, week ninety six. Oh, that God. was the last time they had a three up average over thirty. Oh God, that's been a long time. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, yeah get it together, Voyager. No, I'm sure someone to watch over me is going to be the one. For oh, us. Pr- I, probably. <laughs> uh, the next time we get together to talk Star Trek, yeah. We will be watching for TNG Power Play. Great. The the first episode with Power Play O'Brien, but not the last. <laughs> I'm not sure it's true. I think we've already seen him. I think we've seen Power Play O'Brien in Data's day. I guess maybe. Um, for Deep Space Nine, business as usual. Okay. And uh, as that you that sounds like, to, by the way, business in the title makes me think it's a Ferengi. I mean, but I don't it, know. It, it could be, but two further episodes up are, is an episode called Ferengi Love Songs. So, oh uh, yeah, but I don't know just... how much Ferengi stuff we're going to be doing. But oh, it, so much right. could be so much. I remember because every time 
Quark's face would show up on the next episode, the the image, the thumbnail on Netflix, I'd go, fuck! <laughs> the last time I went through all the DS9s. It happened a lot. Well, the Voyager you have to describe next week is someone to watch it for me, so. Yeah, I'm excited. We're going back on the clock. Uh, next week, we got a mailbag. We don't have any oh, yeah. special projects. So we'll just play, we'll play we'll some games. We'll just do games and shit. It'll be game time. Yeah. Game time started. Exactly. And, uh... Um, maybe next, maybe next week we'll just record, uh, us playing Sea of Thieves. That's I mean, I do want to play Sea of Thieves again. The I mean, game, we have the we have a two hour block set aside to record this, so there's a lot going on in that game, and we are playing it the way that I think anyone should play a game, which we have no idea how to do anything. Yeah, and we just uh, set sail and see what happens, and a lot of dumb shit happens. <laughs> like we went looking for chickens. <laughs> we had to go find some chickens, and what we found, like I said, what we found was a kraken. Yeah, and uh, and then a merman, and then, um, <laughs> and then uh, I don't know. We did all kinds of quests though. We we quested it up hard, and we made lots of gold. Yeah, yeah, we did. So that was good times. <clears throat> um, but if you do want, we have some uh, we have some mailbag stuff from Ryan. If you do, I've want been to trying be to fill it up too. I yeah. got some great some great stuff in there. Uh, yeah. Um, send us mail at Brother Date on the Twitter machine. You can also send us an email. Brothers of brotherdate.com. You can go to brotherdate.com and um, to listen to the episode I'm recording right now. Yeah. That's how you do it. I don't know. Yeah, by the time you hear this, this episode will be up. That's true. <laughs> that's how it works. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. And podcatchers. Uh, we got them. Or, uh, yeah. or uh, maybe like dulcimer, a, nice hammer dulcimer, maybe two cellos, two cellos, or like uh, uh, a big harp, harp, maybe. Oh, oh hang on, oh, it's doing something. Please <laughs> subscribe.